Are you happy? Are you sad? Episode 181, you come straight from the ETL championship game among seventh grade women. That's we right. We call them women? No, we, we call, call them, them girls, girls, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're all 13, 12. They're not quite women, you know. Championship game. Championship East game. Eastside Travel League. That's right. Seventh grade girls. Yes, sir. 1.7 seconds to go down. Down two. A three-pointer wins it at the buzzer. Three-pointer wins it at the All buzzer. All you need is Steven Adams. That's right, yes. Throw, throw in a full court, <laughs> and then you got to have John Morant. Do you have a John Morant on your team? Yeah, Who there can is. catch it in midair <laughs> and then shoot a 20-footer and swish it at the buzzer? Although that would have only tied it because that's a two-pointer. Yeah, yeah. Would no. you? Did you call a timeout? Did they oh, run a play? Oh, sure. They tell ran me, a play. Tell me, tell me, So Piper's at the baseline. They got to go the length of the court. 1.7, they got to go the length. Underneath their own basket. Yes. And Piper yeah. plays softball, so she's got a decent arm. Right. So she, she And she the tallest, the biggest of the... Yeah, she's the tallest. Okay. But she's not like super tall. She's Christian, uh, well, Christian Leitner caught Christian Leitner caught it, yeah. Grant Hill threw it? Yeah, one no, of the hills. No, one of the hills. Thomas yeah. Hill or somebody? Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah know. Thomas Hill. Doesn't matter. Grant so, Hill probably. Go ahead. So Piper was supposed to throw it to half court, because I don't think they thought she could even throw it. That yeah, far? Yeah. But yeah. she throws a three-quarters court, to, and the best player on their team's wide open. I don't know how she did it. She just got open. Got wide open. It's right Best shooter? Her. Best score, best everything. At half court? It's more like the free throw line, oh, like like in the, the corner. The free throw line? Yeah. Well, actually, no, it was it was more out by the... Let me think about it. No, I, I think she would have got, oh. got a three off, but it was close. Right to her. Like, oh. you can't believe she's open. You can't believe Piper threw it that far. Right through her fingers. She's thinking about turning and shooting. <laughs> Didn't even catch it. Yeah, yeah she's she's thinking about turning and shooting, yeah. and she she forgot the first part of it. Yeah, got to catch it. She's probably the best so player in the entire the, league. So, so the Issaquah, yeah, seventh grade girls yep. lose in the ETL. They had a halftime lead. They choked down the stretch. That's right, nine. They were up nine. They were up nine with nine how much half. time? Oh, at half. Nine at half. Okay, and who they lose to? Issaquah loses to. Don't say Mount Si. Skyline. Oh, of you don't like Skyline. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, Max Brown went to Skyline. I coached what, against Max. What's Brown. the guy's name that uh, Heaps? Jake Heaps. Oh, went to sure. Skyline. Coached against yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Kaysen, uh, What do you mean? Yeah. Kaysen Williams. Kaysen Williams. Yeah, yeah. 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 Did any of those guys play on the seventh grade girls team? <laughs> <laughs> Kaysen Williams. If he would have played on that, oh, we could have sure used God. him. He could go for a jump ball. Episode one hundred and eighty-one. Well, I'm sorry, but well, it doesn't really matter because they're all going to state anyway. They're right? all going to state. Yes. Which is in Spokane. The following weekend. Yes. This coming weekend. Yes. People listen to this. So I'm sure we'll. I'm sure our paths will cross again because both teams are pretty darn good. And so. how many times did you play? Did Issaquah play Skyline over the course of the year? This year they played them once, which was weird. Oh, just this time. Because with COVID and snow. This was the second, or this, this was, was the, the first? second time. Who won the first? The first one, there was no coach and no coach. Coach's daughter, the best player, and they killed Issaquah by ah. like 15. Piper fell down at halftime of that game. Oh. It was just ugly. So, yeah, it was a hell of a game, the championship. Jesus. Yeah, two-point game. Sorry. We'll see you again, Skyline. It's I'm Spokane. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, at least the so 181's going to suck? Episode no, 181's going to I got lots suck. of stuff. I'm ready to roll. You want to start with Stump the Band, or you want me to do my spiel about clicking the subscribe button, rating and reviewing? Where do you want to start? I always seem to... People seem to like when I start with Stump the Band. <laughs> they do, huh? Even though Stump the Band really is the other way around. They're supposed to call us, but we don't yeah. take calls. Although I am looking into a number. Whoa. Yes, like a like a voicemail where people can call throughout the week okay. and we can air out their, their thoughts. I love it. You like that? Great idea, yes. Got to get it sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds get good. answers to the line. <laughs> How is he still there, by the way? <laughs> is I saw he, a picture of him on there? Facebook, yeah. Oh. Anyway, yes. Get you the, want Stump the Band? Let's, let's do Stump the Band. It's my way. This question, this Stump the Band question is actually my way of bringing up just an amazing, to me, an amazing performance 
one that's worthy of a pat on the back. Okay. A Mitch unfiltered pat on the back. Did you know now that the Pac-12 basketball season is over? Yes. And they're getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament as we speak. Yep. Did you know that there was one guy in the Pac-12 conference that led the conference in both points per game scoring and steals per game offense Whoa. and de- that's a that's kind of a Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, sure. A steals per Impressive, game yeah. and in the same Did you know that there was a guy in the Pac-12 that did that? No, I did not. Would you like to know his name? I sure would. Terrell Brown Jr. Yeah. That would have been my first guess. Out of Garfield High School, then Seattle University. Actually, yeah. he went to a community JC college first. Yeah, first. That's right, yeah. He led the Pac-12 wow. in both scoring and steals per game in his final college basketball season. Played at the University of Washington. So He's looking around going, can anybody help me out here? Like, oh, what's going on, everybody? He's not that type of guy. <laughs> okay. not that type. That's Wait. a Piper. That's a Piper Soden thing. Are they in the Pac-12 can tournament? Can you catch the ball? <laughs> Just catch the ball. I threw a good pass. It's crazy. She made it all the way down there. Yeah, she and she, the, this kid's wide open. She You're did like, a great job. She's going to do it because it was back and forth. You're like, she's going to at least get a shot off and it's going to be crazy. Was this game played in the 30s or in the 40s and the 50s? Oh, the final score? Yeah, 20s. No, I think it was at, at halftime. It was, I don't know, 30 to 19 maybe oh, or something like okay. that so 40 50 i don't know so do you know what my pac 12 question i mean my stump the band question is no i don't it should be pretty obvious who what do you think i'm gonna ask who, who else has led the or who else has led Who's the, the last guy yeah. to do it oh the last yeah if i told you it hasn't happened this is how rare the feat is okay it hasn't happened in the pac 12 in 23 years so the pac 10 or, yeah, I guess Pac-10. Yeah, yeah 19, the 1998-99 oh, season. Shoot, Gary is Payton's the, is out. the last time. Well, that would be <laughs> yeah, a good guess. Thank you. That'd be a great guess. I wonder if he did it. I wonder, I mean, I, oh, I should check that during the break. He might have been Can close. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I don't ask, ask Chris Lovett to see if we have any sponsors. Get Tusher on the phone. That's right. Get Zucker on the phone. So not Gary Payton. You said 98, Well, he 99. wasn't the last guy to do it. Yeah. I can't tell you for sure that ah. GP didn't do it. It actually sounds like something that he would do. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Especially he may Oregon not have State. led him in scoring. He the was, whole conference I think he was scoring? ball hoggy back then. Oh, okay. Just shot All a lot. Right. And no one else could play on his team. Right. I don't know. Okay, so 98-99 was the Is the, the last time that a Pac-12 player led the conference in both scoring and assists. 98-99. Yes. I'm going to look silly when I throw somebody yes. out that didn't even play during that time. What I love about this question, what yeah. I love about this answer, yeah. is Terrell Brown just did it from Garfield High School, yeah. and Jason Terry from Franklin was wow. the last guy to do it. That's incredible. Two Seattle boys, the last two guys. Wow. How Jason like Terry. Yeah. And I'm a Florida guy, and I like that. <laughs> you should. Uh, that should resonate with you. Franklin and Garfield, the last two. Franklin and it. Garfield. Wow. Yeah, he was pretty good, Jason Terry. Yeah. He wasn't too shabby. <laughs> Do they win the champion? They might have even won the champion the whole thing that year, right? Well, uh, he won one. Yes. He I, won one. He won a national With Bibby, I think Bibby was on that team, maybe. Was he the point mm, guard? Bibby? Yeah, it could have been. I think so. I yeah, think 98 sounds about right. Yeah. 97, 98. Wow. There you good, have it. Good question. The la- like there it. you there's your stump the band question to start the show. It would have not been nice to have him before for, we start the show. For four or five years at the University of Washington. Who are we talking about? Terrell Brown? Yeah, it would have yeah. been nice. Yeah, he, yeah. So are the Huskies out of the Pac-12? Did they even make the Pac-12 tournament? What the hell are you talking about? Does everyone make Pretend it? Pretend to know, at least. <laughs> Does everyone make yes! it? Yes! I thought, like, the bottom two didn't. No! That was never a thing? They're the sixth seed. We'll talk oh, about it wow. in another stuff segment. Sixth seed, look they at them. They were picked to be, like, Woo! 11 or 12th, and they were the sixth seed. Love it. 
And they have a chance. If they win this tournament. No, they're not going to win. <laughs> Don't start. Who do they play first? They play Utah. This is the other stuff. Oh, it they're is. Beating okay. Me All to right. the other. That's not even segment one material. This is other stuff okay, segment fine. material. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get to the other stuff segment. I'm just going to look at you because you're going to pull all of my other stuff out here. <laughs> this is the all te- you got. This is a tease. So we haven't even started the show. Yet. All right, fine. Click the click the subscribe button. Thank you. <laughs> I will rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We want five stars. Nobody's rating and reviewers reviewing us anymore. Oh, really? They've yeah, quit. it's not good, and it's not good because guest segments. I tell you this all the time. If you like our guests, they're publicity people. They look at these things. Right. How many ratings? How many reviews? What are they getting? How many stars? True. If they see that the show is wildly popular, getting ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, five stars, I love it, I love it, I love it, they're they're more likely to grant us the interview request with a with a prominent sports or non-sports personality. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm in the midst of negotiating for Kelsey Grammer to be on the show. Really? He's got a new movie out. It's a soccer movie. Okay. I thought it was perfect. Kelsey Grammer, soccer movie, Seattle setting of his of his sure. TV show, oh, Frasier. Yeah. Yeah. Why not get him on Mitch Unfiltered? Wow. Well, can you share with me your ratings and reviews and all that stuff? I right. said, here's the link. And that person's going to go and see that nobody has rated us and reviewed us <laughs> in about three weeks. That's right. Get on it, everybody. Very upsetting. Yeah, yeah. Very upsetting. People, the audience is not doing their, their job. I love his ex, Camille Grammer. She was on the Real Housewives of Orange yeah, County or yeah. Beverly Hills, one of those. Lady. Camille, yeah. It's X, not married to her anymore? No, they haven't no. been together for a long okay. time. No, no, no. All right. Uh, let's see here. If you'd like to access the weekday shows with Danny Slick, Mitch Unfiltered patron, uh, you got to become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month at MitchUnfiltered.com. And I always say if the $5 is a problem for you, yeah. For any reason, no explanation needed. Just write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Tell me and I'll set it up. Because the idea of being a patron is not okay. It's o- For people who can't afford the $5, I don't want you to have access. Of course I do. Yeah, we're not exclusive. No, no, like, no. no, yeah, no. Yeah, I want yeah. everybody who wants to hear it sure. to hear it. Okay? They're Very good nice. shows too. Yep. And you can write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com for any reason like the following oh, three. Oh, boy. Following three. The okay. following three. By the way, you like how I know Camille Grammer and not how many teams make the Pac-12 tournament? Do all the teams. <laughs> I swear I thought it was like the top 10 and they punished the bottom two or something. It's funny because randomly you'll hit me with some knowledge and I'll be like, whoa. Yeah. Like you'll get, it's typically a, a, a long time ago like, sports well, stuff from your but the Gary the Gary Payton. Yeah. Like that was a good guess you thought. Yeah, I think so. Stuff like that. Yeah. I know, it's But weird. how many teams make the Pac-12? Yeah. How many teams are in the Pac-12? <laughs> Sports. Um, yeah. Never quite know what we're going to get from no, Mr. You don't. ETL here. Yes. Mitch, just finished listening to Dr. Osborne. Did you listen to Dr. Osborne? I did, yes. Are you going to get your cholesterol checked? Once a year, blood tests, get your cholesterol checked. We need to know what your cholesterol is. If it's high, you got to get it down. Yeah. I, I went in November and had a big full physical. And so, Did you get your cholesterol check? He said he wasn't worried about any of the results. He had gotten... Did you have your blood, John? Yes. And he got... So he... You don't know what your cholesterol level is. No, I, he just said nothing okay. Nothing right, concerns good. him. Well, that's good. So yeah, that's good. No, it was very informative. That guy is great, is he not? What was the test that he said is... Uh, was it like a... It was super Cor- accurate... I don't know what you're talking about. The coronary calcium yeah, the test calcium. is really important. Incredible. I didn't really. even know. Well, that's the one that saved Cody Pickett's that's life. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had it done twice. Okay. It's really important. The, you know, there's a lot of important stuff. Just listen to Do- I think Dr. Osborne is great because he makes it 
kind of interesting and very easy to understand very. over 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't talk over yeah. our heads, which he very no. well could. No, very. <laughs> yeah. Not hard with me. <laughs> I'm not that tall, but, you know. Um, just finished listening to Dr. Osborne. Great. He has a really interesting, non-boring way to present important information. Thanks for mixing it up with guests like Dr. John. And since I rarely email feedback, Mitch, oh boy. you and Scott have a great chemistry. Oh. His strengths, gaming, social media, <laughs> and music, yeah. make for a good match. He's not wrong. Are you a gaming expert? Is that a strength? Well, more than, I mean, how hard is it to be an expert on this podcast? Not at all. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I am. Gaming, social media, and music make for a good match. Oh, and end the ban on a Florida man. You're cutting Scott off at the knees. kind of true. I've had a few people say, I think it's time That's to bring that back. Yeah. yeah, it's up to you. I'll think about it. Think about it, yes. Hey, Mitch, Scott stinks. <laughs> That's all. Fred and Beaverton. <laughs> Fred and Beaverton? Fred and Beaverton. Oh, okay, fair enough. You stink. Wait till he hears the whole Pac-12 teams in the tournament. And, and then I love this one. It. I've been waiting all week to show oh, you this. Oh, God. One. Dear Mitch, a friend, there's so much about this letter that I like, I can't even hardly read it with a straight face. Okay. A friend informed me that you just started a podcast. Okay. Well, it's almost four years old. Yeah. So I don't know, just. Uh, he said it's even better than your KJR short-lived morning show stint. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack already. Two years. Yeah, short-lived. Tried it. Nope. Not any better. <laughs> Who taught you how to interview people anyway? Hint, we'd prefer to actually hear from them, oh. not you. Every day that I listen to KJR now, I thank God that you gave them a reason to remove you. Whew. You actually did every time you went on. They just didn't get the message. Pete in Tacoma and no, that's not my real name. Oh. Well, that's a little cowardly to not give you a real name. Come on, Pete. Where do we begin? I with know. The, this is beautiful. Short-lived stint on the radio on the mornings. We just started a podcast. Yeah, right. Which is four years old. <laughs> short-lived morning show stint. I was on for on the mornings for twenty-one and a half years, something yeah. like that. Um. Well, the interview thing. Yeah, I do like to talk. Um, yeah, but a lot of people think that's your strength. Nah, so it's like not, not Pete in Tacoma. Oh, that's not his real name. Yeah, right. Of course. Um, At least the Beaverton guy who hates me gave his real name. We think. I don't know. Thank God I gave them a reason to remove me. I actually did every time I went on the show, but they just didn't hear it. Wait, wait I don't understand what that means. You did what when you went on the show? Gave him an opera. Gave him a reason to remove oh, me. <laughs> every show. You missed the joke. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> and they just didn't get the message. Yeah, right. Took him twenty-one years. Oh God. Ugh. There you go. There's a few. There's a few that we get at Mitch on Mitch Unfiltered. I like how you tried to even it out with the one that she. I always me. try to even. Yeah, it out. and then one on you. <laughs> but I guess if he hates you, he hates the show. I'm, you know, part of that. So it's like one and a My half. My guess for me. is he has no idea who you are. Oh, really? And he may have listened to the one that he's only listened to one show. Oh, Slickhawk could have could could yeah. have been on. Yeah, and then oh shit, it could have been. He might have liked it had you been on. Yeah, but maybe maybe the Frank and Beaverton guy heard Slickhawk and thinks that's me. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe I have a chance with Frank. That's true. <laughs> I have three fabulous guests on this episode 181. Great. I, I wouldn't say they're fabulous because they're like superstar name recognition. Okay. You're going to, well, I don't know if you are able to listen. You're very busy. But those who are able to listen, you're going to love these three guests. Okay. 
Two of them are returning. They've both been on before. And the third is brand new. Okay. Okay. The first guest is a guy named David Sampson. I don't know if you remember when he was on. He was the former Marlins president. Miami Marlins. Oh, yeah. Pre- Do you remember him? Was he really outspoken? Very, inc- like, yeah. the most unfiltered. Like, my uh, show shouldn't even be called unfiltered. <laughs> outspoken almost doesn't do justice no. to Yeah, okay. No. I totally remember. He will say yeah. anything That's about right. anybody. <laughs> He's got his own show called, um, pardon, no, um, no offense or something. Okay. No, no offense, but something like that. Um, he's the former Marlins president. Derek Jeter replaced him. Derek Jeter is out. I figured this guy has oh, got plenty to say yeah. about Derek Jeter. <laughs> yes. The lockout. He's got a great Barry Bonds story. He was on Survivor. This guy was on Survivor. Really? He was voted off the island. The first, he's the first guy <laughs> voted off the island. He's not the one that walked around naked. Wasn't I don't he? know. <laughs> I, don't. <laughs> I only watched he one tells season that of it. Story. Anyway, David Sampson, guest number one. Okay. Very good. Very yeah. good. Joel Damon, PGA Tour. Winner. He's from Clarkston. Another guy, very unfiltered. Okay. He's from Clarkston, Washington. You might remember. Went to the UW, had testicular yeah, yeah. cancer, right. overcame it. He's won. He's now inf- infamous because a couple of weeks ago at that Scottsdale 16th hole, yeah. he took his shirt off and he was waving oh, his shirt. Oh, that's right. That guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he took his shirt off. Awesome. Threatened to be fined by the PGA. <laughs> he's, he's got plenty to say about that. He talks about Phil Mickelson and all the oh. problems Mickelson has. Joel Damon, you'll love it. Great. You'll love David Sampson. You'll love Joel Damon. And then the third guest I really liked, first time, I didn't even know who she was. Okay. Her name is Kaylee Humphreys. Okay. She's the 2022 Olympic bobsled gold medalist. Wow. Representing the United States. Her life story, she was born and raised in, in Calgary, Canada. Okay. She represented Canada and won two golds as a Canadian bobsledder. And then she was like in an abusive relationship with the coach and she quit. She walked out. She defected to the United States. She had married a guy from California and went through the process of defecting, joined like almost as a free agent, joined the U.S. team and went out in Beijing and won gold. She's going to tell her story. Stuck it to our old coach. Right there. In your face, big boy. Right there. I love it. (laughs) There's your three guests. (laughs) Episode 181 does not get off the ground without our partners like Zeke's Pizza, a big part of our upcoming Beat the Boys March Madness pool. I've been leaning towards the cherry bomb and chopped salad. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, I think the number one place to celebrate special occasions in the Northwest. The Schwartz family just does it right. The best steaks, impeccable service, a world-class steakhouse. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of our upcoming Beat the Boys March Madness Pool, which is less than a a week away. Cash prizes, whether it's a new toasty fireplace or brand new garage doors, begin your search as we do at firesidehomesolutions.com. The new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, Jordan Flowers' team might very well save you hundreds hundreds off of your monthly mortgage payment. So many of us are throwing away money out the window because of laziness. Just take a look at the interest rate you're paying and then give Jordan a call. Seven minutes is all it takes. 425-890-2957. An evergreen golf call. Tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers all working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor, evergreen 
is Everything Wealth. Here comes episode 181. It begins right now. Unfiltered. The guy has fallen from grace hard, hard, and he's brought it upon himself, and he's shown to, to the world what a lot of people have felt about him for a lot of years, which is he's manipulative, okay. he's all about himself, he's all about his bank account, he's always the smartest guy in the room. Unfiltered. I don't agree with his stance on the vaccinations and all that stuff that went along with it, but he looks to my eye to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He looks good And still. if the going rate is 50 million a year then the going rate's 50 million dollars a year mitch is unfiltered episode 181 with my friend hotshot scott now officially underway that's right yeah. i, I want to get to a quick twitter discussion i had a quick with a twitter discussion. with a follower over the weekend is this what i read on text that there was some sort of a yeah. problem you have a problem with a follower somebody has a problem with me oh, but be, before we get shot. to that i want to ask you are you yes. watching secrets of the playboy mansion no i'm not do you plan to you told me about it i might okay i might i'm right now deciding if i'm going to watch american idol for the first time in 20 years Oh, you've never seen any? No, I saw one a long one time season. ago, okay. and then I stopped watching. And there's actually a story about a young lady who's on right now, okay. who's going to be on this year, who I'm fascinated with, so maybe I'll, I'll start watching. But no, I have not seen. You've told me all about all the Yeesh, secrets are coming out. Not good. Not good? It's not, not a good show? No, it's a good show. It's a good it's show. not good for Hugh Hefner and the whole corporation. Well, he's dead now, isn't he? I, voyeuristic titillating train has moved out and depressing and horrifying train has moved in because really? there's yeah there's some crazy stories coming out anyway if you're into that kind of stuff okay. are you recommending it i am enjoying to our it listeners but just beware With that it's pete <laughs> yes pete all right you want to hear what happened on twitter yes so i i sent out a pretty innocuous tweet that said hey does anyone know if the high school state championship games are on tv that's all i said because i oh, wanted to watch them yeah right i watched and I, I, I am, watched the 4A state title game on uh, on the computer or on the phone. I'm an NFHS Mount Sy, member. Losing it over time. That's Curtis right. High School. That's right. In Tacoma. Yeah, yes. I watched it. I watched okay. it. Yeah. And somebody wrote back, dude, it's literally Saturday during conference tournament week. Why are you trying to watch high school basketball? Oh, I saw that tweet. You did? I think I saw that tweet because I think I answered. Well, I did. I watched it. I don't think you answered. Oh, no. Maybe I didn't see that tweet. <laughs> that would have been nice if you would have jumped in and helped, but no. He's taking a shot at you because you're what? picking high school basketball over college, which makes no sense at all. Thank it's, you. It's not even wor worthy of conversation, but go ahead. It's not. No. Okay. Well, typically I try not to engage because then it's like a whole day thing of back and forth. And I. But you did. I said one thing oh, and then I just. Shit. I know. I had a good streak going of just leaving people alone who shit on me. But I, do you want to hear what I said to him? I said, the high school in the town where I live is playing in the state 4A championship. I hope that suffice, and I promise next time to check with you to ensure oh, that I'm watching very, the appropriate group very of strangers sarcastic. play basketball. Very sarcastic. <laughs> and then he said, he took a shot at Issaquah. I think he thinks I was, because I'm from there. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. You went to Issaquah. Yeah, but then I want Your daughter plays on the Issaquah ETL I can understand. Right. That. And I, but I wanted to hit him back and say, well, they're not actually playing. And, but I, I just, I left it alone. Yeah. But some people said like, this was kind of funny from Trent Mitchell. Yeah. Why are you trying to watch something that you want to watch when you should only watch what Aaron wants you to watch? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Like, why can't I just watch what I want to watch? And then Eric gets, yeah. I'll read the last Eric gets said, yes, Shh, don't tell Aaron, but the major conference championship games are all next week. <laughs> they are. That's true. 
So anyway, I just didn't oh, know it wasn't God. okay to watch high school state championship well, games. Well, then I, then I violated some sort of decree because yeah. I, I watched. Yeah, I, I watched that and the 3A. Watched Auburn win it for 3A. Yeah, that was a, it was a shocker that Garfield didn't make it. Garfield was the number one team in the state by far. Well, earlier in the season, Garfield and Auburn played yeah. in kind of a non-conference fun game. Yeah. Garfield beat them. Yeah. I think that was Auburn's maybe their only loss. Yeah. yeah. But then they met in the state tournament yeah. and Auburn got them back and Auburn beat Garfield, knocked them out. One of so, the yeah. guys that plays on Auburn, one of the big guys is actually Brett Sage. Okay. And Brett and him played together in the, oh, in, okay. the in the Rotary League for many years when they were younger. Gotcha. This guy was a... Is a great talent. Pretty I, good. I, yeah, yeah. He's on Auburn. I didn't watch the the three A. I only I only watched the. I can only watch the phone for so long. You probably can watch the phone. The phone. Yeah, I watched it on the phone. What? You don't own TVs? You can put it on. I don't know how to do that. Oh yeah, well, you got to get the magic cable. It's the best thing ever. The magic cable. <laughs> it's just a cable that runs from my surface to my. Why TV. is these? Why are these games not on Root Sports? I, who knows? Does people? Do people not want to watch Angie Menting? Doesn't she have any pull over there? No kidding. For God's sakes, Angie. So, am I hallucinating or didn't they used to be on at yes, some point? Yes, they used to be on. They the used football to be on. games are definitely on. I think I remember watching Brock Heward's daughter win it like two or three years ago. And by the way, let's move him into the Climate Pledge Arena so I can go and I don't have to go so far. There you go. It sounds good. <laughs> For me. <Yes. laughs> but the Mount Sifori game was pretty pretty good. Pretty fast. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they were undefeated. Number one in the state, undefeated. Oh, and they me, ran into a Curtis team led by Isaiah Thomas. And it That's was right. That's right. It was lights out. Well, Mount Sai lost probably their best player, a six-four guy. I guess he hurt his back during the Christmas break or mm. something, and they were down. So they were down him, which didn't help. Well, I don't know about the Christmas break. I know they were without a starter that yeah. we, but he was not a. He's not six-four. He was a guard, guardish type of guy who okay. didn't play in the championship game. And he's one of their better players. Yeah. He's one of their starters and better players. Did he play in the playoff in the tournament at all? Or I he played in the district tournament because we went and watched. Okay. And he was playing. We were shocked, Brett and I, when we watched on the phone <laughs> that he uh was yeah that he was not playing. Mount so they were down a start. They were definitely they down, down a starter. Star, but yeah. I don't think he's a six four guy. Uh, someone told me that's somebody like new. Six four guard, but I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Anyway. I don't think he's six four. Great game. So I guess I'm an a-hole for watching high school sports Sorry. on Saturday where college basketball. Another is reason happening. not to have you on Mitch. <laughs> okay, fine. There's plenty. All right, before we get too too far down the line with episode one eighty one, I meant to talk about it in the in the tease section, okay. I just want to get everybody ready. You know what happens this coming weekend? March Madness. That's right. The brackets are out. You're going away. You're not going to be here. I know. Can you fill out a bracket maybe? While I'm driving. An NCAA tournament bracket? While I'm driving, I'll well, give it a shot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> We've got the, the, the Beat the Boys March Madness bracket. Nice. We're back. And we're going to put the bracket on online. It's brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions and John Waterstrat. It's kind of the same as... Last year, where we developed a team, we're all going to fill out brackets, yep. and then we're going to encourage all of you to go to MitchUnfiltered.com. It's run by RunMyPools.com. You Correct. know Bill Sanders, of course. I've heard of him. You have? Yes. We have a team of 12 this year. I'm, I'm not making it easy. Remember people no. got pissed off at me last year? Oh, you're making it so hard. Yeah, I am. I'm making it hard. <laughs> I, mean, be- I don't want to give out prizes to 1,000 people. <laughs> Before the team was three. I mean, we got our asses kicked. So we learned okay. our lesson, yeah. The team is now 12. I'm going to tell you the 12. Are you ready? Yes. Here are the 12 on our team. Mitch Levy. Hotshot Scott. Yes. Producer Steve. That's three. Okay. Slickhawk is four. Danny O'Neill is five. Oh, boy. Randy Mueller. What oh. kind of GM? What kind of NFL GM know? Uh, six. Lindsey Schwartz, CEO of Daniels, is seven. Tyler Hay, CEO of Evergreen, is eight. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage is nine. 
Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza, is oh, 10. Yeah. One of my Twitter buddies, yes. Robbie Tonkin, uh, CEO of Taco Time, is 11. Wow. And John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor is 12. So we're all going to fill out brackets. Mm -hmm. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Not yet. They're not out yet. Calm down, I everyone. I think you can probably register and get, get the process started. If you've played before, it's like you're nothing. Good. You're yeah, good. Nothing. I think you're already, you're already yeah. logged in. Yeah. And we will encourage everybody to fill out a bracket next week at this time. And then the, the grand prize winner will win like cash, maybe a thousand bucks. Wow. Good prize. And then every single, then we'll get a bunch of pizza, Zeke's and some Daniels and whatever. We'll throw in some Mitch Unfiltered the patron months. Every single person who beats all 12 of us, got to beat all 12 of us, yeah. wins something. That's right. I was washing cars the first year, <laughs> mowing lawns, trying to pay this cockamamie thing off. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Love it. MitchUnfiltered.com. When we get to that point, I mean, you can go now and start. I think it's up. I, I don't know if it's up yet, but whatever. Yeah. It'll be up soon. Go get an account. Yeah. 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 Okay. Are you going to be able to fill out a bracket or is that going to be just too much for you <laughs> as you go to the state uh, state girls championship tournament? Well, I'm going to fill out a bracket like I do every year. And yeah. I think this year I'm ready to carry the team because I wasn't oh, really much help really? during the NFL season. Okay. I don't think I was. Okay. I'm, I'm carrying right. it this year. Watch out. All right. I want to... Typically, we do something fun or stimulating or we, we challenge people in segment one. And I think I want to hold the exuberant stuff, the fun stuff, to the other stuff segment after our three interviews. Okay. And end segment one a little differently than we normally do. All right. Because there are two things that are on my mind that are not particularly uplifting, mm -hmm. but they're on my mind and this is unfiltered and so... I kind of feel like a responsibility to get them off my chest. Okay. Number one, and we probably should have mentioned it last week. Please know, everybody, that while we do these shows, the three per week that we do for the patrons and everything, that the people of Ukraine are in our hearts and the bloodshed is on our minds. It's hard. It's hard to do these things and laugh and, and be crazy when such a serious thing is happening yeah. around the world. Yep. But I do want to mention that. We probably should have mentioned it on 180. I want to mention it to start 181. A week or so ago, I'm standing in line at Disneyland, Disneyland, waiting 45 minutes for a ride, looking at Twitter and yeah. reading about how bombs are going guilty. off and feeling guilty. I'm standing here at the happiest place on earth, they call it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, you know, you're seeing videos of dads telling their families goodbye on trains. And it's, you know, it's just, I've just felt horrified and I didn't feel, I wanted to tweet out some fun stuff. I'm at Disneyland. Look at this beautiful. Hard, right? It just didn't feel right at the time. Just, I hadn't tweeted for a while because it just didn't feel right to get all excited while that kind of stuff is going on. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it to tell everyone we are, we are thinking about it, even though we goof around a ton on yeah. here. Do you think the guy who got mad at you for looking for the 4A state title game would have been mad at you? Oh, for sure. Tweeted from Disneyland? Yeah, he's just looking yeah. to, to yeah. rip me for something. Yeah. Well, I'll... I'll What's happening across the world is on our mind. I just yeah, want to mention that's that. That's right. And then number two is Katie Meyer. Yeah, I have that. Now, Katie Meyer is probably a story that we would typically save for the other stuff. But as I was getting ready for 181, I was like, you know what? I can't get her out of my mind. Mm. And so I feel like I'm obliged to bring it up sooner. Okay. And, I, and I, I'm guessing that everybody knows who Katie Meyer is. I think a lot of people probably the heard the story. Stanford soccer star, former yeah. national champion, 22 years old, who committed suicide last week yeah. in a really kind of devastating story. 
from the world of college and sports and non-sports. And I got to tell you, Scott, I, I, I read a story like this. I hear of a story like this and I, and I get sick to my stomach. Yeah. And, and, and then it sticks with me. And it's so awful to hear about a young person like this with so much energy, so much life to live, right. succumb to internal darkness. It just, want, it just makes me sick. You think of Tyler Helinski, the former quarterback of Washington State, right. and others that come to mind. And I'm sure that because they're athletes, we know about them. There are dozens for every one of these athletes yep. that I'm sure take their life in college. Yep. And it just makes me super, super sad. The fact that we can't get these young people help before this outcome is kind of another slap in the face reminder that we as a society... We just have lots of work to do yep. to destigmatize mental health and illness. Uh, if there's anyone listening to this that's struggling for any reason, if there's anyone listening to this who knows somebody that's struggling for any reason, 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Email me for goodness sakes. Right. Email me. Email me your number. If you need somebody to talk to, talk to somebody. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's an act of courage as far as I'm concerned. You don't have to live like that. Just know. Absolutely not. You don't have to live like that. There's medicine. There's resources. Reach out. Try to get some help because I, I, the thing is I want to tell this 22-year-old, whatever's going on, I know it's going to get better. It's, not, it's never as bad as no. you think it is, right? I mean, I have a friend. I think about my friend Tyler all the time. In 1994, he was 20. He loved going to this community college. He got his life together and then got like a DUI or something. He had to face like three or four days in jail, got drunk one night, took his life, 20 years oh, old. God. And I just was like, I want to tell him like, it's three or four days in jail, dude. It's not, it's not, it's going to get, one day you're going to be 45 and 50. And you're not going to give a crap about that. It's going to get better. I just wish I could have told him. And yeah, I think about, you said, we know of Katie Meyer because she's an athlete, right. but- I think about, yeah, like you said, how many happen every day at this age that we just, we don't know about. So, yeah. So very sad. I, I know, I know something happened on campus. There was an incident with one of her teammates mm. where she acted and she got in trouble with the university and she had heard some sort of an email, like an official formal email that she was in some sort of trouble. Okay. And I, I just want to say before we get to the three interviews and we get to the other stuff segment, that Katie Meyer is is in my heart and on my mind and all of those all of those collegians male and female that are struggling i just hope that they can get the help that they need yeah. before it's too late reps for the university called her a bright shining light for so many mm. gone way too soon god yeah three interviews and then we'll uh, pick it up a notch okay let's do it i promise we are way past due for a visit from Zeke's president, Dan Black, on Unfiltered. Hey, Dan, how are you? How's Zeke's pizza doing? I'm doing good, Mitch, and we're having fun at Zeke's. I know you are. Seems like fun stuff is happening every day. I understand Mark Few has a new place for pizza and hopefully not too much beer in Spokane. He does have a new place. He's looking forward to seeing you in the bar, or maybe it's the alley. I don't know. <laughs> how was the opening in Spokane? It was really fun. It went really well. It was really busy. We were packed out before the games, and so it exceeded our expectations, and feels good to have planted a flag in a new market. And Mill Creek is on the way. Is that right? Yep. Mill Creek's the next opening, and it's on track for March 2nd right now, so we're excited about that, too. You know what I loved? I love the cheat codes, the Zeke's Pizza cheat codes for the Super Bowl. The Levy family participated. 
I'm assuming that was a really good February day for you guys. Super Bowl is great, and we love the cheat codes, too. In fact, we love them so much, we've just decided to keep them rolling up until March Madness, which we'll come out with some more codes then. So what were the discounts on the pizza and beer, Dan? Well, this this round, we did $4 off a large, and we really promoted the beer. We got $5 off with a four-pack of Hop Tropic and some other beers. And so we'll probably do something similar, but we'll freshen them up uh, for March Madness. And also want to make sure that we get in on your pool for some prizes and stuff like that. So that'll be fun. Oh, you will. Hey, Dan, before you go, spotlight one of your Northwest seasonal beers for us. Yeah, I'm drinking Flannel Blizzard right now. That's our winter ski beer. So uh, we do it every winter at this time. And it's the only time of year you can get it. Aslan out of Bellingham brews it for us. They're one of the best breweries in the Northwest. And it's super easy drinking Canadian lager. So you know, you can do more than one and be fine. There's always good things happening at Zeke's Pizza. We love them as a partner. They've been great to me from the radio days all the way to the podcast days. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic, the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well, the Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest to see those Seahawks do really well, and my beloved UW Huskies. But uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we did with you guys is we want to send somebody out there, an expert, to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything's going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations, and get that stress-free buying experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors and fireplace units? Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks. And you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. I think that people take baseball a little too seriously when you're inside it. And I was there for 18 years and there were many times that I felt as though I was in the room where it happened and that I was surrounded by important people. And I remember the first time I walked into an owner's meeting, I was in awe looking at George Steinbrenner and Jerry Reinsdorf. But then after a while, you realize that, you know, they all put their pants on one leg at a time and they've all got warts just like the rest of us. Episode 181, he's the former president of the Miami Marlins, or is he the former president of the Florida Marlins? 
Or maybe both. I don't even know. When did they change and why did they change, David? On November 11th, 2011, we officially became the Miami Marlins from the Florida Marlins <laughs> because as part of the public-private financing of Marlins Park, the public demanded, the city of Miami oh. and the county of Miami demanded that we went from Florida to Miami. And we said, no way. We love Florida because it encompasses all of Florida. Yeah. We want to draw from Fort Lauderdale and everywhere else. But wink, wink, we really did want to become Miami. <laughs> so we got a few concessions from them. And then we finally agreed to become the Miami Marlins. And then we did. The always colorful David Sampson. The name of his podcast is nothing personal. It's terrific. He's been on Mitch Unfiltered. He's a, a tremendous storyteller. We're going to have you tell stories. It's going to be story time with Uncle David here on, uh, on Mitch Unfiltered, David. But before we start, you realize, you realize that it's just the two of us. <laughs> we, we can make, make it, it if, if we, we try. <laughs> I'll tell you, here, here's how it works on the podcast. So nothing personal. I do it every day. Yeah. And it's there's no script. There's no teleprompter. I come up with a rundown every day. And then my producer, Matthew Koch, and I go over the rundown at night. Then I wake up in the morning, go over the rundown again, and then we record. Yeah. And we record straight through. He doesn't edit it. I make mistakes. There's corrections. There's flubs. I have to start over. But it is completely whatever's in my head. And as Coke and I have gotten to know each other over the years of working together, he sometimes can figure out where my head is, but other times he'll be in my ear during the show. What are you doing? Do you remember what you were talking about? Get back to the subject. And I'll have to say, Coca, I don't even remember what we were talking about. And songs come into my head and stories come into my head. And that's what the podcast is. So last week, I just started singing about Grover Washington Jr. for reasons unbeknownst to me. <laughs> Just the two of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. I suppose, David, we should talk about the lockout. I've really OD'd on the conversation. I think everybody, I'll bring it up later because I'm so much more interested in some of your unique stories. But just tell us, when are we going to see baseball? You know, you got to be the guy who knows. When are we going to be able to go out to Safeco Field? It's not called Safeco Field anymore. And, and see baseball. <laughs> I think that the real problem we have is that the owners and the players don't yet believe that they're at the edge of the cliff, meaning they don't believe that they've hit a deadline after which there can be no season. And maybe the worst thing that happened for all of us as fans was COVID. Obviously, as a pandemic, it was the worst thing of our lifetime. But in terms of baseball only, people realized you could have a 60-game season start late July, and by October, no one remembers. It's a sprint to the finish line. Every game matters. And then you've got a world champion at the end. So I think the deadline for a season is sometime to start late July, but I think we're going to start earlier, but it's going to be tough to start before May. I think the players think the owners don't want to play in April. I think the owners think the players don't want to play in April to prove a point. And so when both sides at least agree on that, it's unlikely to have games in April. Are you but don't panic. I'm not panicked. Can you see me? Good. You can see me. I don't understand. Well, one thing I don't understand is you and I are almost exactly the same age and yet you look, look at you. Tan, Clean living, baby. Not not a gray tan. Look at me. I'm actually, you're actually, I, I think I may be even younger than you. Look at the two of us. For, just the so, two of us, for God's so sake. Here's David. my trick. <laughs> I don't dye my hair. I've never done plastic surgery. Uh, I run marathons. 
I drink. Oh, okay. I do all sorts of things that probably you shouldn't do. But on the other hand, I have the greatest Peter Pan syndrome of all time because I just turned 54. And for me, I act like I'm 25. I have the emotional maturity of a 17-year-old, right? So if you keep going like that, then my goal, my dream of being Benjamin Button could in fact come true. Well, let me ask you about the 54-year-old. Is he spatting? Do I see that the 54-year-old David Sampson is spatting or in a, some sort of a spat with Jeff Passan of ESPN? Oh, please. What, what happened? No. What, what happened, David? I'm going to tell you a Jeff Passan story, a very funny story that uh, I try not to tell too often, at least publicly, but I'm going to tell you okay. and all of your listeners. Okay. So when I was president of the Marlins, uh, he worked for Yahoo! And he would write articles that were so negative about me and the Marlins. Just he would crush me in ways that were shocking, given two things. One, he doesn't know ever what he's talking about. But more importantly, two, he and I have never met. And I've, I was in the game for 18 years. I met people through all walks of life in all cities across this country. I had never met him. So I had a consigliere who is still, I'm very close to his name is PJ Loyello. He was my executive VP or senior VP, whatever his title was, head of communications. His real job was to scoop up the elephant crap that I would leave behind with all the stuff I would do publicly. And he'd have to yell at me and yeah. say all sorts of things like, did you really have to say that, et cetera. Yeah. So he comes into my office one day and he says, David, you don't have to tell me, but I'm just curious. Did you screw his wife? <laughs> And I said, PJ, no, you, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, but I felt like Charlie Sheen in the movie Major League oh. when he had sex with Corbin Bernson's wife oh. and didn't know it was Corbin Bernson's wife. I said, as far as I know, I that's haven't. a definite no. But listen, anything's possible, but I really don't think so. And he said, it's the only possible explanation for the way he treats you. So cut to, I leave baseball and then I, I, I enter into the media space yes. and I'm loving life. I enjoy what I do. I yes. love the communication with fans and building the show and building the following and the brand. I just love it. It's fun. They pay me to talk, right? I yes. mean, what could be better? So passing, he fancies himself a lot like Scott Boris, who I've dealt with forever, as someone who can do every job that everyone else does, right? Scott Boris is a way better agent than I could ever be, but I'm a way better team president than he could ever be. And that's just how it is. It's like I would say to my players, hey, I'll do my job, you do yours, because I can't throw 95, but you also can't run a company. That doesn't mean I'm better than you or worse than you or shorter than you or taller than you. Everyone's got from got different skills. We work together and combine to form a great partnership. So Jeff Passan writes this article and says, the Braves make $100 million. Their numbers are public. How could they not sign Freddie Freeman? It shows that owners are lying about profit. And I just, I'd had enough. And I, I, I literally was the emoji where your head explodes. And I responded on Twitter and I said, Jeff, you don't know what you're talking about. I actually ran a team. I know that teams lose money. I know the Yankees lose money every year. I know exactly what the Reds lose and the Pirates and the Marlins. I can tell you because we see the numbers. And then he said, well, why don't you prove it? And I said, it's not my business to release the financials of other teams, but just know I've been in the room where it happens. And it turned into this whole Twitter thing. But here's one nugget for your listeners about Jeff Passan. When we would be in owners meetings, and we would talk to other owners and other presidents. Do you know the number of times Jeff Passan's name came up? 
in 18 years? <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> we didn't pay attention to him in any way. So he was simply a non-factor. So all the things that he writes and does and thinks about and thinks he knows, the truth is the people who are inside the game pay him no attention and neither do I. So you would have said to Derek Jeter, shortstop of the Yankees, you're a great shortstop. I'll never be a shortstop, but I run a I run a team. He came in, he succeeded you with the Marlins, whether they're the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins, <laughs> and now he's out. Tell us the real yeah, only David Sampson will tell us the real story. Why is Derek and did he get a gifts basket? On his way out of the building. That's what everybody wants. To yeah, know. he got a paddle on his ass from the owner saying, get out of here. So here, here's what, which, by the way, maybe he did do that to the people he was with in his apartment in New York City. Who knows? But what I can tell you is that when Derek was negotiating to buy the team, I get credit for selling the Marlins for such a high price. But I must tell you, I don't deserve any of the credit. Derek was so desperate to buy a team and not have A-Rod buy a team. And he had a rich guy named Bruce Sherman who loved Derek so much that it was sort of weird and awkward that they were not price sensitive. And Derek Jeter got the keys to the whole Marlins car. He could do whatever he wanted. He didn't report to anyone. He didn't do anything. And he made all these promises to Bruce Sherman saying, hey, Samson's out of here. We're going to do it so much better than Samson. We're going to get so much more attendance. We're going to increase our sponsor revenue, our ticket revenue. We're going to be better on the field because Samson sucked at every trade. They never did anything right. Well, well, Derek, Bruce said, didn't they beat you in 2003 Like while you were on the Yankees? Yeah, but that was 14 years ago. He sucks now. And Derek uh, took over. And during the negotiation, I said, you know, Derek, just because you're a Hall of Fame shortstop, um, running a team is a whole lot different, right? You have to get into this community and you have to realize that just being not me is not going to be enough. But he did not believe that. So during the course of his four years of being a, the president of the team, nothing that he promised came true. Attendance stayed as crappy as it was with me. I wasn't better than Derek. I just was different than Derek. Mm-hmm. All of the, the naming rights deal was a joke, right? I couldn't get one because I wanted a certain number. The Marlins naming rights deal is lower than any deal that I would have accepted. The TV deal, I fully negotiated and gave to Derek and the new owners to take, but they turned it down because they said, we'll do better. And they ended up doing worse. And again, I'm not mm-hmm. bitter toward Derek. People take that, take that, Wrong. I'm so thankful to him for overpaying for Jeffrey, (laughs) making me look good. I'm so thankful without him, I wouldn't have nothing personal. (laughs) I wouldn't be with CBS. I wouldn't have the life I lead. So I really do appreciate him and no bitterness at all, but make no mistake. He didn't leave because the Marlins weren't raising their payroll. He left because he was told to leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we sense that. I think all of us sense that around the uh, around Major League Baseball. You mean you didn't believe his statement well, saying that we don't have a shared I, vision anymore? I tend not to believe anybody's statements, so I don't even believe my own statements. When I make my own statements, I don't I don't believe it's, those. It's like you listen to nothing personal now because that's a lot nothing, of what we do is we talk about what statements, statements are and how misleading statements. they are. Nothing personal with the David Sampson, the former president of the Marlins. Okay, Uncle David, Uncle David, our listeners want to hear about hiring Barry Bonds as a hitting instructor for no. the uh, yes we come wanna, on yes we want to hear that so that's a that's a good one come on David. Jeffrey Loria calls me up and he was the owner and he said David what do you think about Barry Bonds bringing him in as a coach I said a coach for what <laughs> and he said a hitting coach he's the greatest hitter of all time yeah I said he's the greatest hitter of all time but 
he's totally not going to want to be a coach, right? He doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. And he's not going to work hard enough. He said, no, no, I've been speaking to him. He really wants this. I said, Jeffrey, do you think it's possible that he wants to get back in the game so the people will be, he'll be front of mind so he can get into the hall of fame so we can do like sort of a redemption tour and try to reverse some of the way that people think about him, the way A-Rod was able to. Do you think that's possible? He said, no, no, he really wants to help the Marlins hitters. I said, Jeffrey can't name three of the Marlins hitters. Like, what are you talking about? Jeffrey said, trust me, interview him. Barry Bonds walks in, we sit down and interview him. So Barry, how do you feel about the workload required to be a hitting coach? Oh no, I'm ready. I understand that you got to work differently with each player and you have to understand what makes them tick and you have to show them pointers and blah, 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 blah. So I walk out of the interview and Jeffrey says, how'd that go? I said, well, you know, does he have the job already? I'm just asking Jeffrey because he interviewed as though you had already hired him. So just between us, you're the owner, you can do whatever you want, but has he been hired? He said, yes. (laughs) I said, then what am I interviewing him for? He said, well, I just wanted you to be on board. I said, all right, I'm on board. What are we paying him? Well, here's how that's going to work. He needs all this money, but we can't pay a coach that much because Perry Hill has to be the highest paid coach on the team. So we have to pay him under Perry Hill, but then we're going to pay him money on the side to his holding company. I said, what? Like how much? He said, ah, just give him another million bucks. Million bucks. So we did. So Barry Bonds made money as a coach and then he made money on the side as a coach. He was a high class pain in the ass. Uh, he had demands that he was, you know, as a player, he got the Giants never said no to him. And uh, we just tried to treat him like a coach, but he didn't love the job. He didn't want to work as hard as you need to work. He was helpful to players like Stanton who already got it, uh, who could appreciate sort of what Bonds was. But in terms of technical aspects, and I don't blame Barry for this, because if you look at superstars in all teams, in all leagues, in all sports, it's hard to be a coach when you're a superstar. Like if you ask Magic and Isaiah and Larry Bird, the better coaches, the Pat Riley's of the world, the Phil Jackson's of the world, sort of sixth men, sort of sort of cerebral people. But when you're a superstar, you envision, and I spoke to Barry about this because I spent a year with him. I said, why is Stan swinging at the O2 slider so much? Like, why is that? He said, he's not picking it up fast enough. I could pick up the pitch when it was out of the pitcher's hands by an inch. I knew wow. whether it was a fastball or slider, but I can't teach people that. I said, you're right. Like you can't coach that. Either you have those eyes or you don't. And uh, Barry Bonds had one of the greatest eyes of any hitter I've ever come across. Like Vladimir Guerrero didn't have good eyes. He could just hit the ball wherever it was. He just was able to adjust later than any hitter I ever saw. But Barry Bonds was able to identify a pitch in a way that you just don't see. It's not normal, but it's also hard to teach that. What are we going to do? What is the Veterans Committee going to do with Bonds and Clemens, and were you surprised that Poppy made it so quickly? I thought he was connected to PEDs in a New York Times article years ago. Well, Rob Manford got David Ortiz. Rob's going to be so upset. Sorry, Rob, but I don't work for you anymore. Actually, you don't work for us anymore. We don't work together anymore. Um, Rob Manford did something that's unheard of. He basically paved the way for Ortiz to be put in the Hall of Fame really? by saying the 2003 list of players who had tested positive should never have been made public. And that was just to see whether or not we should start testing. And there was no work done to confirm whether those tests were actually positive or negative. Were they false positives, et cetera? They were just done as a way to get an agreement with the union to start testing. So David Ortiz, as far as we are concerned as a league, has not tested positive for steroids. 
and that paved the way to allow him to go in. The second very important thing is that post-COVID, there is no way the Hall of Fame could have a weekend without a big name inductee because the Hall of Fame makes its money, the majority of its money on induction weekend. And if it's not a big draw, they then count on MLB to fund the operations of the Hall of Fame. And MLB doesn't want to do that because they've got enough problems. So you had to make sure that someone of note was getting in. And I believe all of those things came together to put Poppy in the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall of Fame. All right, David, two last things before you go. Explain in layman's terms to our audience, because I, I, I don't know if they care, but I guess maybe you can make it interesting to them. This luxury tax. They call it the competitive balance tax. It's so important. It's the obstacle. Players want it high. Owners want it low. Players want less of a penalty for exceeding. Owners want more of a penalty for exceeding. Explain it to our audience so that we can understand why this is such a big issue. Owners want a salary cap without a salary floor. The CBT acts as a salary cap. And 25 teams want to make sure the threshold is as low as possible because of the five teams who go right up against it or right over it. And if you are in a division with the Mets or the Dodgers, you want to make the Dodgers or Mets pay extra money for going over the cap. So you want hard financial penalties. You want them to lose draft picks because you don't want them to have runaway payrolls and those teams have runaway payrolls. And the lower the CBT threshold is, the more owners who will not want to go over it will go just up to it. And you'd rather have that cap as low as possible. Got it. Last question for David Sampson. I got skewered the last time you were on by my audience because they how said, come? because they said, how could you not ask him about Survivor? And I don't oh, watch Survivor. I, I got like, 15 emails from listeners that said the guy was in Survivor and he was the first guy voted off the island. And I had no, A, I had no idea you were on Survivor and B, obviously I didn't know that you were the first to be voted off. So explain, satisfy those 15 people for me. What what happened? I'll satisfy more than that. All at once, baby. So one of the number one questions I get asked when I'm out in public. Yes. Strangely enough. Yes. Is, man, I want to be on Survivor so badly. It's so cool that you were on it. How do I get on Survivor? How did you get on Survivor? Were you on a celebrity Survivor? I applied. (laughs) I say to these people, have you ever applied? And they said, no. Uh And I say, how do you expect to get on if you don't apply? I submitted a tape and they called me back the next day to say, hey, you're the president of the Marlins. You can't go on Survivor. We tape it during the season. I said, no, I've wanted to do this for 20 years or it was OO to 12. I said, I want to do this since the beginning of Survivor 12 years ago, because this was back in 2012 when I applied. And I said, I'm in. And they said, we're going to need a note from your owner and commissioner that allows you to leave for this number of days. You have to get permission if you're going to disappear. I got the letter. I got permission. I went to LA for casting. I sat down with Jeff Probst and Mark Burnett. And they said, you know, you're not going to win. I said, of course I'm going to win. Like, how would I not win? (laughs) They said, you know, you're the president of the Marlins. I said, but no one knows that. And they said, okay, good luck. We're happy to have you on. I get to the island and all of a sudden I realize that I've got a blazer on, a blazer, a dress shirt, and an ascot. And I was like, that's a weird thing for me to wear. That doesn't seem very comfortable. And then we start filming and they say, welcome to Survivor. You are the brains tribe. The smartest people to ever play this game because you all have to take IQ tests. You got the highest scores on the IQ test that have ever been given. You're all on a tribe together. And I was the old white guy with an ascot. (laughs) 
and you want to know why I got voted off first? The minute the show started filming, I started packing my bags. Oh, I think it's a bad indication that your owner was happy with you leaving for as many days as he did. I he, love he, where your he, head's he, at. He, he got a chance to hire Barry Bonds as a hitting instructor during that time. He, <laughs> he actually said, you really want to do that? You're really going to disappear for 45 days in the middle of the season? I said, Jeffrey, they're filming it next summer. We're going to lose 100 games in 2013. You're just jealous that I get to go away for that long. <laughs> uh, it's called Nothing Personal. He's terrific. He's David Sampson. Check it out. It's everywhere where podcasts are found. It's great to have you back. Don't be a stranger. Let's do it again sometime. Take care. Thank you. Hey, look who's on the line. It's Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniels. How's Lindsay Schwartz doing? How are the restaurants doing, Lindsay? I'm doing great, Mitch, and the restaurants are doing great, too. It's uh, It's been a good run here the last few months. Trends are getting better and better, and uh, we're looking forward to moving into the spring and summer. You know what I haven't asked you in a while about the pandemic and how it's still impacting fine dining? If it is impacting you guys at Daniel's Broiler? You know, for us, we do a lot of special occasion business. So we've been doing great for the holidays, as we've discussed, Thanksgiving, December, Valentine's Day. We get a lot of anniversaries and birthdays celebrated with us. So that that feels pretty normal. We're not seeing as much corporate business lunches, business dinners, happy hour. But overall, things are, are really getting back to normal and hope that trend continues. I've always said that March Madness is my favorite time of the sports world. Lindsay, with the NCAA tournament and all the things that come along, you guys have your own longstanding tradition as well at Daniel's Broiler of Bellevue. Tell everybody about the 11th annual Bourbon Bash this year. Yeah, that's personally my favorite event that we do every year. It's March 12th at Daniel's Bellevue. And uh, we use all of the banquet rooms. We have vendors. All of our vendors bring their bourbons in. We'll have a selection of over 100 different bourbons to try, including some Pappy Van Winkle. It's a lot of fun. Great passed around appetizers. We've already got a bunch of signups. There's still some tickets left, but it's going to be a really nice event again this year. Danielsbroiler.com to buy tickets, correct? Yes. Okay. The other night I look up and my wife's got the old fashioned Daniels mixer out. She's got the bourbon out all out of the blue. And it reminded me of your mixers on Amazon, which still are selling well. Yeah, they're selling great. I love to hear that. We've been on Amazon for over a year, keeps getting busier and busier. And recently we launched locally at QFC and that's off to a really good start too. Okay. So the bourbon bash is March 12th. It's the 11th annual it's at the Bellevue location. You can get some tickets at danielsbroiler.com. It's the biggest event they do over the course of the year. We love Daniels Broiler, a great partner and a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Our next guest is not only a an accomplished PGA Tour player and winner, he's not only a UW, a former UW golfer, and a cancer survivor, but on February 13th of this year, in Scottsdale, Arizona, he formally threw his hat in the ring for a job at Chippendales 
And I don't mean as a server, ladies and gentlemen. I mean as a as a dancer, as a performer. Here he is, back on Mitch Unfiltered, Joel Damon. Hi, Joel. How you doing? Uh, how are you? I don't doing? know. I, I'm good. I don't know if the Chippendale thing is really, you know. I would need to, to work a lot harder on the abs, I think. But uh, for a brief moment, I certainly felt like one. Oh, gosh. We're going to get there. I, I don't want okay. to jump right to the punchline. Let's set it up for a second. But before we do, what in the world is Crypto Country Club? And do you have any ability to explain it to like a guy like me who can't even hardly get on the Zoom call? So I'm in the same boat. I actually was just hollering at my wife about using a cell phone versus a computer. Yeah. Uh, tech, technology has passed me by. So NFTs, is, uh, they're, they're non-fungible tokens. They're art pieces. You can buy them. Got that. Uh, they're online. They're, they're, in, you know, they're on the Ether blockchain. Um, and it's something that I'm just kind of dabbling in. I wanted to know more about it. Um, I've partnered with Crypto Country Club, and it's been kind of a fun, fast journey already. I'm, I'm learning more about it. I don't know a ton, but it's just kind of a way to, to combine golf and, you know, kind of the crypto world. And a couple of the, the guys who started are really fun guys. And uh, we already did like had a little outing here uh, in Phoenix, and uh, we have more planned down the road. Yeah, Jake Owen, the country singer, bought one two days ago. and. As of this morning, Eminem, the <laughs> rapper, bought one this morning. So bought uh, what? So he bought an NFT of what? He bought it. He actually kind of looks like himself. It's like him. It's a guy with a blonde hair, and he's got a microphone. And it, you could argue that it, it looks like him. So um, I don't know why he's necessarily did that or per se. I, I did play with Jake Owen in the final round at AT and T Pebble Beach, and so we chatted a bit about it, and he was kind of interested. So. He hopped on a bot one. And uh, if you really kind of know what's going on out there, I am going to release my own collection here in the next. Really? I will say month. Uh, I would say year for sure. Hopefully sooner than that. Um, I'll release a hundred of my own NFTs and wow. uh, there'll be giveaways to go along with it. If you own NFT, you could potentially play a round of golf with me or have beers, with, uh, you know, drinks with me in Vegas, uh, all sorts of little things we're going to try to add into nice. it. So you're the brand <clears throat> ambassador. Of, that's um, exactly what it is. I'm certainly not the brains behind it. That's for sure. <laughs> you mentioned in an article about your baseball card collection as a kid. I want to hear about that. Tell me about your baseball card collection. What was your, what was your, your 30, what? 36? I'm 34. 34. 34 so who, yeah. would, who would have been, what rookie card would have been the one that Joel Damon wanted? I mean, Griffey, obviously like that's uh that was, you know, I'm a huge Mariners fan and, and Griffey was the guy. So um, I did get one of those. Uh, I remember Barry Bonds had a pretty big rookie card, you know, and you go like I would do chores all the time and I'd walk. There's two blocks away from where I grew up was a coin store that also sold trading cards. So I did basketball, uh, mostly basketball and baseball, um, had a couple of cool Jordan cards, had Shaq's car that was worth some money at the time. Uh, and then my grandpa had a bunch. He had over 15,000 cards that he gave to me. So wow. at one time they're all under the bed. They're organized. I put the nice ones in the now? binders. Where are all these cards? They're all back at my grandparents' house. I actually saw them uh, when I was there uh, in December. Yeah. And they're in the basement, uh, still in really good shape. And, you know, the card collection is kind of coming back as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the value of all that stuff. So, well, you know, maybe maybe there's some uh, little little nuggets of gold down there. You threw out a first pitch at a Mariners game? I have not yet. Oh, you've uh, not? Okay. No, the goal is to do that hopefully this year. 
Um, it'd be, uh, I was offered to, it couldn't quite make out, you know, the, the details of it. So hopefully we can have another strong year and then kind of go celebrate some there in September as we're making a playoff push this year. Yeah. Fastball or curveball when you throw out the first pitch. I'm just going to not skip it. <laughs> I'm going to stand. I, I will go to the rubber. I will go all the way back. All the but, way back. Uh, and I'm just going to try not to skip it. <laughs> all right. February 13th. Actually, it starts February 12th. You're right. asking for like a retweet of something. You're getting ready to play the fourth and final round at this wild and crazy, they call it the Waste Management. I call it the old Phoenix Open. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you say on your tweet, by the way, did you get any money? Did you get any money on the pip or no? Did you not make it out? No, I didn't make it. You, gotta, you have to play better golf. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you pick up the story. You decide that if, if enough people retweet this tweet, you and your playing partner, you can tell us about him, are going to take yeah. your shirts off. Tell us. Right. So it actually goes back to Saturday morning in the locker room, physical therapy room. Keith Mitchell uh, and Harry Higgs, we have the same PT we share in the room, and they start gathering money to get Harry to take a shirt off on 16 on Saturday, which Saturday is a big, crazy day. Uh-huh. They ended up getting $8,000 in the pot. I think Spieth was on it, JT, like some pretty big names were in there, and they were like willing to throw some money in. So we had this pot raised for him to take, take a shirt off. Well, he didn't. His quote was, I, if I win the Masters in April, people will still remember you for taking off my shirt at the WM Open. I was like, yeah, valid point. So <laughs> Saturday night, had a couple beers, and the text comes through that I'm playing with Harry Higgs. And it's just um, second to last, but off of 10. We're off the wrong side because we're in the last place. So we're having a good time anyways. There's not much to, we're, we're out of the golf tournament by a million miles. We're just going to go out and have fun. Right. So I just threw out a tweet that said, um, if we, if I, I worded it specifically to make sure if we didn't get to a number, he didn't have to do it. Cause he told me he wasn't going to do it, but I still want to have some fun. So I said, if we get enough retweets, he'll do it all day. He said, no, people were yelling at him the first seven or six holes, take a shirt off. Let's see it. We get into 16. And he flags, it goes over the green though. And I'm like, man, I wish you would have made it or hooped it. Cause I think it was going to happen. But as we're, you know, we have 150, 60 yard walk. There's 30 people up on the right of the green who have their shirts off already. And they're <laughs> chanting. And then everyone catches on and it is loud in there. And you have 10,000 people chanting, take it off. Like it's, you're going to give into peer pressure. Yeah. And he's flipping me off the whole way and he can't do it. So <laughs> I actually hit a great shot. I have like 12 feet for birdie, but I was so nervous about hitting a terrible putt, I left it short. So I got booed pretty bad, which I deserve at least so. Uh-huh. So I dab it in, but he's got eight feet for par. And I step over to the side of the green. I'm like, to my caddy, Gino, I was like, dude, if this goes in, I think he might do it. And he makes it right in the center. And next thing you know, he, he lifts up the shirt and the place goes berserk. The beers start flying. Yeah. Um, it is wild. And uh, obviously I didn't plan on doing it, but I couldn't let, I couldn't leave Harry hanging. So I just, uh, I took it off with him and, whipped around my head and beers were coming in. And uh, it was, it was really fun for 30 seconds. It was absolute mayhem. Um, and uh, we will be remembered for that one for a while. Hopefully not, you know, hopefully our golf careers continue to be, be yeah. great, but that'll be something that everyone looks back on, 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 on the famous 16th hole. Did you get fined? So initially we chatted the next day, obviously got the phone call from the guy and we were in a little bit of hot water. Uh, and our argument was you can't use it on social media. You can't post it to your accounts and find us like you can't have double standard here. So thankfully they, the following week, they, we got a phone call and said there will be no fines, but please don't take your shirt off in the future. Uh, we agreed that the shirts will stay on and, uh, we'll be good to go. How much are they going to find you? You have any idea? $5,000 for the first offense. 
for the first offense. <laughs> hey, they do go up. If you continually have some not great behavior, your fines do increase. Or uh, if you're slow play thing, it continues to increase as well. Anybody not like it, Joel? I mean, there's always old curmudgeons out there. You know, you get on Twitter who's, you know, they're some old people who's, <laughs> but, and I agree. Like, I mean, there's a line for everything. Yeah. But it's also like the 16th hole, like the only place you'd possibly do it on tour. And when you're in the moment, it, it just kind of happens. And so uh, I won't be doing it again, that's for sure. But, and I, I mean, 99% of the people liked it. And a couple of days earlier, you're introduced as a four time PGA champion at the same hole, right? <laughs> yeah. And the program on Wednesday, Harris English had, had an injury. So we withdrew. So I was first all set. So I hopped in. And they didn't tell the uh, PA guy on 16, so they're running off. I'm a, I'm a Ryder Cupper, a four-time winner. Uh, and then it's like, Did he loves know? hunting and fishing. I, I didn't figure it out at this point. I didn't know what was going on. And yeah. then I had right, he goes, oh, big-time hunter and fisherman. I'm like, I enjoy those things, but I'm not, like, big-time. Yeah. And then it's like Georgia Bulldog, and it was loud. It's like Paris English, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty, like, got it. Did Rory McIlroy ever respond to your Twitter? Uh, yeah, request? he did. He did? So I saw him the next day. Um, he actually talked to my caddy more than me, but uh, he said that he would play, but DJ Dustin Johnson is getting married that weekend. So it's easy for Rory to say, yes, he would have played with yes, me because yes. he has an out. Yes. So we'll just, we'll just go with that. But it might just be an <laughs> annual thing to, to just try and holler at Rory. Sure. And uh, I have a man crush on him. So to, you know, play in a team event with him would be pretty darn cool. And by the way, for our listeners who didn't know what we're talking about, Joel sent out a Twitter request because there's one tournament a year in New Orleans where they partner up and they play as, as partners and Joel sent out a, a request to Rory to play with him, and Rory said he would have if it weren't for DJ's wedding that particular weekend. So the question is, I, I may have asked you this before, this kind of fun-loving, irreverent, not-take-things-seriously side of Joel Damon, where does that come from? Has that always been the case, or has some of the health issues in your family and your own kind of put things in a different perspective for you. Have you always been this way when you were collecting baseball cards? Were you this guy? Yeah, I was always a pretty fun going guy. Like I was a guy I liked to have fun all the time. I was, I wouldn't say I was a class clown, but you know, I enjoyed, uh, you know, having people laugh and stuff, but I would say, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, having the, the, the cancer struggles in our family. Um, and then, but it hit me directly 11 years ago, almost this week, actually. So when it hit me and I was chasing, you know, being a touring pro at the time, I was just down in Arizona on the mini tours trying to make it. And that part really like that one kind of really hit me of like, Oh crap, this can't be taken away at any time. And when it directly affects you. So for me, it was just a big, uh, I'm going to not let any opportunities pass me by. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be who I am I'm trying to have a good work-life balance. Uh, I have a phenomenal wife who loves to have fun. Yeah. Uh, so we have a good time together and, you know, I surround myself with, with really great people. I have a great group around me, uh, who all like to have fun too. And, uh, sometimes do we have a little too much maybe at times, but, uh, you know, we, that's why we have those people around us to kind of get us back on the straight and narrow, but it's just something that I, I just really appreciate what I do. I, I, I get to play golf for a living and it, it was always a dream of mine. And, you know, growing up in Clarkson, Washington, very blue collar, my mom was a school teacher. My dad worked at the mill. So uh, I think I'm just very lucky, and I just appreciate <laughs> really what I get to do out here day to day. Does that fun-loving side of Joel Damon 
ever hurt you on the golf course or is it always a positive? No, because when I, when I'm there and I'm, I'm in the competitive mode, I'm, okay. I want to beat your butt. You know, I want to beat your brains in and I, I want to win. I'm a, I'm a competitor out there and I think I can do it with a smile on my face. So some people can't do it with a smile on their face. They have to really get in gear where I can, I can focus for the 30 seconds, hit the golf shot and dial in. And then, uh, you know, I can go back to laughing or joking or chatting with you down the fairway. But, um, a lot of people just have their, you know, their one straight competitive face type thing. And I can, I can kind of do it both ways. Speaking of that, when is win number two coming? You had a, you, you got a five and a six, you've already won close to a million bucks. So we're not going to send a hat around for you anytime soon, but sure. you had a shot at pebble. I think you yep. shot, you shot 64 and 66 on the other two courses Spyglass, the 66 at Spyglass is a terrific number, but you shot 71 and 72 at Pebble. You were three under through six in the final round. You were right there. Yeah, What's when, was. When's it coming? When's number two coming, Joel? I hopefully soon. I actually, uh, at Pebble, like, it was a little bit smoke and mirrors. Like, to be in that position, it wasn't my best. I I, I putted really well the middle two rounds, made a bunch of putts. Um and I love it up there. I think that, you know, I wouldn't say that the moment got the better of me, but I did start thinking like winning at Pebble Beach is my favorite place on earth. Um, it did. I did kind of get ahead of myself a little out there. I didn't. Um, and the conditions got a little bit tougher too. I hit just, I mean, eight's such a hard second. I just hit one little bad shot there and I three putted 10 and all of a sudden speed made a couple of birdies and I woke up and I was four back. I was like, whoa, that happened fast. So yeah, yeah. I think I was, I was right there, but I really have a good three week stretch coming up players, Valspar, and then Dominican Republic where I won my first one last year. So uh, I expect a really good run here. Um, I've worked hard the last couple of weeks with, you know, get the swing dialed in and then I'm, I'm working with a new putting instructor. So I'm not saying a win's coming anytime soon, but I expect good golf to be had, you know, for, for hopefully a very long stretch coming up. Are you in the players? I am. Yeah. How have you done with 17 over the years? Uh, I was actually, someone just asked me this and I don't want to jinx myself, but I've never hit it in the water in uh, eight to 10 competitive rounds. And I made a couple birdies for sure. I've never made a bogey. So wow. I think I'm two or three under there. Yeah. It's uh it's a lot easier in a practice round and it's easier on Thursday, Friday. Uh, when you're in there on Sunday, uh, three years ago, I was in the top 10 ish going in there on Sunday when Furyk shot at 63 on Sunday and I hit a really good shot in there to, to 10 feet, but you know, I was, I was pretty puckered up and that ball's in the air. <laughs> You're, That's for sure. Are you in the Masters? I am not in the Masters. What's the easiest? Uh, what would be the way in the next three or four weeks? To, is there a way in or no? You have to win. Yeah, so a, a win is in, or except for Dominican, it's opposite field event. But I could, the next two weeks, players of Elsewhere have really big world ranking points. So uh, a couple good finishes there would, would get me in the top 50 in the world. Uh, and that's another way to do it. So two really good weeks or, uh, you oh, know, you just go win. Have you played there? I have not. God, nope. I've got that over you. I've got. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been offered to play there. I you just could won't. go play there, you but I, I won't until it's my first time, and then if that doesn't happen, I'll, I'll always wow. just have a chance. To I've play got it, something but. over Joel Damon. Not, not who is your member? I'm not telling you. Um, but what? I'm not giving you any information. But I'm telling you now. I'm going to root for you not to ever get in, so I can always say I got that. In. <laughs> <laughs> how no, like how long ago did you play it? Uh, about, uh, five, six years ago, we played four rounds in two days, stayed there right on the golf course. It was great. What what were your four rounds? Are you willing to discuss Uh, that? 87, 83, 80, 81, but it's out of season, but it's out of season for me because I don't ever play until like April out here. 
I'm a yeah, I'm sure. a Flo- I'm a Florida guy. So living in yep. and living in Washington. So I don't ever play. And so when I had to play, we played a couple of weeks before the tournament in March, and it was damn well cold. In fact, there was a frost delay both morning rounds. We had to wait to get on the go. But it was unbelievable. It's the greatest. Wow, I, I cool. should have quit. I should have quit. Um, I have to ask you. I know you probably don't want to answer, but I have to ask you. The Saudi thing, Phil Mickelson yep. thing. I know that you have uh, gone back and forth a little bit over the years with him on on social media. I think uh, I think you have anyway. Maybe I'm wrong about that. What do you make of it all? Um, the Saudi league, I think it was definitely happening. It was a thing. I mean, they had plenty of, I had heard plenty of rumors about who were, who were going over there and, I don't know, man. Someone puts a briefcase or a check in front of you of that much money and says, come play golf for a couple of years. It's, I don't blame anyone for doing it. You know, you can argue it's from a terrible country and they, you know, human rights are awful. Uh, I completely get that. But man, if you, uh, you know, you're talking about gener- generational wealth when it comes to that stuff and not just Phil, I'm talking to some of these other guys that we're going to go and Phil. Sure. I don't know. It's, I, it's Phil's always the smartest guy in the room and maybe he finally stuck his foot in his mouth. And I really just hope that he's okay. And he's comes out of this. Okay. I know that Billy Walters is writing a book about him, the insider trading guy. And there's some other rumors floating around out there. So I just hope that him and his family are, I'm not too worried about this Saudi thing with Phil. I think that'll blow over. I think there's some other things coming down the pipeline that might actually suck for him. So this whole Saudi link was a real deal. It was happening, but, and it still might eventually happen, but for now it's, it's pretty much squashed. And when you have most of the top players, you know, pledging their allegiance to the, the PJ tour and you know, they want to, I mean, listen, if you play good golf, you're going to make a pile of money on tour and um, you can kind of go down in the hall of fame and history and win majors out here. So I think the tour is on the right track. If the top guys are complaining about not getting enough money, certainly pumping in quite a bit these last couple of years, you know, you just saw the pit money come out. So there's room there to make plenty. And uh, if you're unhappy with it, as I say, play better. But uh, if you're the best in the world and you're still unhappy, then you have other issues. He got six, Phil got 6 million out of the pit money. Are the guys talking about him on the driving range and other is everybody is anybody in contact with him? Does every, everybody know that he's okay or no? We know nothing. I haven't, and I'm not like super close with him. It's not like we're texting on a day to day basis or anything. But yeah, I just haven't heard. It sounds like he'll be back for the Masters. Will be his first one, but Maybe. who knows after that? Joel, it's great to catch up with you. I love it. I yeah, love, thank I, you. I loved uh, Phoenix. You know, you got a lot of fans out here. I know you don't make it back here very often. But you got a lot of fans in the Seattle area, and you count me as one of them, except for the Masters. Everything, right. every everything, but, <laughs> everything but the Masters. Thank you, Joel. Thanks That's for being fair. back on. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll be up there for more Hawks games, and I'm a Kraken season ticket holder, so we'll definitely get up some of those games as well. Talk to you soon. So, awesome. Take care, Mitch. When one of the nation's leaders in the mortgage business, Cross Country Mortgage, wanted to set up shop in Kirkland. They immediately called Mitch Unfiltered sponsor Jordan Flowers and acquired his entire team. So that's the way it's done. And here he is, the former East Lake and Washington State wide receiver, Jay Flo in the house. Hi, Jay Flo. Hey, how are you, Mitch? Mitch Thank the you kid. for the kind of Mitch, Mitch the, the kid. <laughs> Mitch the kid, the slicker. Oh, I love it. Uh, oh. How would you say? The first year is going at cross country and you've got a lot of news and notes on rates and limits and second homes. Lay that stuff on us. Yes, absolutely. Lots of news coming out. Interest rates are going up to get in front of the inflationary curve that we're all kind of seeing, experiencing, hearing about in the news. Loan limits have gone up to 647,000 nationally for a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac back loan. So anybody looking to buy a home in the 
700,000 range is looking yeah. at three to 5% down at this point, hoping to make home ownership more possible. And there are a lot of good estimations as far as even your home values increasing this year from the National Mortgage Bankers Association, five, six, 10% again in this market based it, off supply and demand. Jordan, if our homeowners are like me, they auto pay their mortgage every month and hardly ever take a look at their interest rates and opportunities to save money. So let's say I'm in year eight of a 30 year fix. I've got great credit. My rate's four and a half percent. All right. I want to stay in a 30 year. What can a seven minute call with either you or a member of your team yield me? Yes. Well, we can yield you several hundred dollars a month in savings, yeah. depending on what you want to do. If it's a 30 year fix you're looking for, rates are still much lower than four and a half. If you're looking at a 20 year, we can shorten the term and still save you two, three, four hundred dollars a month potentially. So we would look at 15, 20, 25 and 30 year options for you based on what your ultimate goals are. Phone number to reach you? 425-890-2957. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Give them a call. See what Jordan Flowers team can do for you. If the answer is nothing, you're only out seven minutes. That's not a lot. We love Cross Country Mortgage. We love Jordan Flowers. Great sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. You're looking at a gold and silver performance from Team USA in the first ever Monobob Olympic competition. She's got it. Final corner coming up. It is gold for Team USA and Kaylee Humphreys in her first Olympics for the Stars and Stripes. It's a golden moment. Our next guest on this episode 181 is back from Beijing with a gold medal, an Olympic gold, or should I say more Olympic gold? She's only got one on in the Zoom. How many do you have? You have three of these things now, don't you? I do. I have four medals. Three of them are gold. Oh, man. What a fascinating story she has to tell her journey from Canada to the United States. Kaylee Humphreys, Bob Sled superstar, is with us on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Kaylee? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. How's the afterglow of Beijing? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I definitely am starting to come down now from everything. It was quite busy, very exciting to be able to come home, see my dog, see my family, my neighbors, just everybody in the community that has been a part of this journey for the last four years, seeing me push a sled up and down the street. So <laughs> it was great to be able to share that with them. And now I'm kind of Hitting a wall, definitely sleeping a lot more, which is to be expected. So awesome. The first ever Monobob gold medal. Is it as fun and rewarding winning one like this? Or is it more fun when you have bobsled partners and you win the gold? Uh, winning gold medals at the Olympics is fun regardless <laughs> of what event you do. I can tell you that. It's definitely more rewarding to be able to share that experience with somebody else, to know that it was a, a team effort. At the end of the day, though, all of it requires an immense focus, sacrifice, dedication, winning Olympic medals is fun. So they're just very different experiences, I think. I think what people underestimate with Monobob, although I have to push it and drive it myself, I can't do this sport alone. I still require my teammates. I need people to help me move the sled to get it onto the track at the top. I need somebody to help me move it at the bottom and get it onto the truck. It is by no means an individual person event. Although physically you're competing by yourself, my teammates, 
probably do more work in monobob and get zero reward for it than they do in two men. What was it like in Beijing with all the worldwide controversies going on? Were you able to insulate yourself from all that and just just perform? I was able to. Yes, it definitely takes some work to be able to do that. I I was not very active on social media as a whole during the games because of that. Yeah, Um, it's definitely a balance. And the bigger social media gets 2010, it wasn't that big of a thing (laughs) where you go to 2022 now. Instagram is totally different and changed the game. So I've definitely had to adapt how much I go on social media, what I do, what I say, what, what you look at, because you are so susceptible to just the world and what's happening and what people are saying and their opinions and comments on you and your performance and how they personally feel on you. So I wasn't super active with it and really just tried to focus on myself, my performance on the things that were going to matter, eat, sleep, train, and, uh, Overall, it was pretty easy to create a little bubble and mm-hmm. kind of shelter yourself, which is which is what I did. But definitely the opportunity for athletes that want to be more out there and open have the option to as well. It's, it's very individual in that sense. I was totally unaware, I must admit, of the Kaylee Humphrey story until I started <laughs> researching this story, this life story of yours, the ups and downs. It needs to yes. be heard. It needs to be on a big screen. I'm going to ask you at the end of the interview who you want to play you. We'll wait to the end for that. So think about that. It all starts uh, in Calgary, a Canadian born little girl holding someone else's Olympic gold medal. Yeah. um, I had always wanted to go to the Olympics since I was a little kid, probably seven years old. And I got the opportunity to meet Mark Tewksbury, who uh, won Olympic gold in backstroke at the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. So I got to watch him win. I got to hold his gold medal. And that was very inspiring to me as a kid. And so I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to, you know, win medals. And, and so that was kind of for me, the beginning, the beginning sports has always been a place where I felt most comfortable, where I could really express myself, where I excelled and where I had the most fun in life. And so I started ski racing. That was what I thought I'm going to go to the Olympics and yeah, do. Yeah. Needless to say, many injuries later, two and broken legs. No, no, you can't legs. just skip over this. <laughs> no, no. 15 years old, great skier, competitive, winning all kinds of meets. And then 15 years old, something happens. You broke both of your legs at age 15. Is that right? Yeah. Multiple crashes, multiple broken bones. I would say it wasn't just one instance. There were multiple instances. I just, I lost that ability to be fearless and getting to share in Beijing an Olympic village and being living right next door to Michaela Schifrin. My mind is blown on how these athletes in downhill in super G and GS and so on can just like throw themselves knowing they've all gone through the hardships and the crashes and had to overcome it. I didn't have that ability mentally to be able to just let it all go and let it all fly in bobsled. It's different. You have no choice. (laughs) The sport kind of takes away that ability to slow yourself down. Um, but my ski racing days really did make a difference in bobsled. And what I learned by racing for so long was the ability to look at a track, to just be able to, to see a line, to adapt. And that's when I started checking out other sports. And, and what could I be good at? Yeah. And bobsledding was an option where I grew up in Calgary. We had the cool runnings track from the 88 Olympics. Mm-hmm. We had a bobsled track there from skiing. I had trained alongside a lot of bobsledders in general. So I knew of the sport and I thought I'd give it a try. I also really wanted to try speed skating 
and anything where big legs is involved. I've always had really <laughs> strong, very powerful legs as yeah. a female. And so I thought, you know, what could I be good at? And I want to try a bunch of sports and see what I like yeah. the best. Most people start sport in bobsled at 24, 25, oh, 26. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Junior is to the age of 26 in our sport. We're definitely oh. a secondhand older sport for sure. So if anybody's looking into it, please do not think <laughs> your career is over. If you ever want to try bobsled, please understand, you know, we have long careers. With how, how, about sport. A how about a Florida guy who's hardly ever seen snow? Can I, can I do Can I, if can you I go miss? off the Jamaicans, it's not so much that you've had to see snow or understand it. Okay. It, it really is just okay. the athletic ability. And we do get a lot of athletes from football, from rugby, from track and field. I came from ski racing, from softball, from soccer. A lot of it is just strength, speed, power based. And we do talent ID camps. We hold them all over recruitment camps. You do a combine and we try and recruit and see who we could get. We want to create the next Olympic champions. I, I would like a teammate mm. in two men okay. that would get to win more medals for I'm Team USA. So I'm going to start training right away. Now, listen, the story is is full of ups and, and some downs, and it, it involves yes. an incredible change of environment for you. So Olympic gold in 10, Olympic gold in 14, you became, you were talking about how this is an old sport for men, but a new sport for women. You became very outspoken about the old boys network of bobsledding in Calgary, in Canada, and the treatment that women athletes were receiving. That rubbed people the wrong way, and that probably set the dials in motion for the hardships that we're going to talk about. Definitely. Um, I mean, women's bobsled, anytime you, you're new and you create a new sport, but when I first got into it, I've always been raised in a household where my ability differentiated me. It Not wasn't gender. based on gender. Yeah. And to come into a sport when after I win gold for a second time in 2014, the questions, what's next? What's next? And even in my head, I'm like, how do I challenge myself? How do I get better? You know, what more is there to do within sport? Um, I was a two-time world champion, two-time Olympic champion. And I'm like, where else do I go? I, I want more opportunity. And for me specifically, it was a bit selfish, but I also knew within the sport, there wasn't place for women to go. And I got told, well, you're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not skilled enough as a driver, as a female. And I'm like, well, this is incorrect. Based on my gender, you're putting all these assumptions on me. You're making decisions about my future and opportunity that or unwarranted, I found. And so I really wanted to go out and prove people wrong. I wasn't the only female that wanted to do it. There was a couple others and I challenged the status quo. I took a men's team, started competing on World Cup in four men with the men against the men. I took an all-female crew for an entire season and wanted to show women could do this too as an entire crew. This is what we want. We want more change. We want more participation. Everybody wants greater opportunity. We need to grow the sport. The women before me fought hard in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s to get it into the Olympics. I knew part of my legacy, I wanted it to be continuing that fight so that women within our sport long past when I'm gone have more opportunities within bobsled. So the story, then comes the, the tough story of Todd Hayes. For our audience who doesn't don't know Todd Hayes, a former controversial U.S. bobsled coach, who after multiple complaints of bullying and intimidation here, he was out. And then somehow, 
I, I don't know that I understand this part of it, ended up in Canada as your coach. That's where yes. the ugliness begins. How, how did that happen? And I know I, I read part of the story where you thought, okay, I can handle this. I, I've heard all the I've heard all the scuttlebutt about him. I can handle this. I'm proven. I've been here for a while. I'll handle this. Um, I think within within bobsled, we'll just start. I think within a lot of sports, it's very easy. And we saw this with gymnastics. We've seen this with tons of other sports, taekwondo, bobsled as well. The niche and the skill. Todd Hayes was a previous Olympic silver medalist for Team USA in bobsled. He also is a former mixed martial arts fighter, big guy, 6'2", 250 pounds, yeah. very intimidating, but he has a skill set as a bobsled driver that not a lot of people do. So it's easy to switch from team to team to team in order to try and help the sport in general. And when you let get let go of, of one team, according to business, you can't always understand or know why somebody got fired. He was no longer with Team USA. Canada reached out and thought, okay, some there, big there, names. There were all these warning flags. There, really? are, Of course, there are warning flags. And but they, they ignored them in Canada? They just ignored them? Yep, they do. Oh. And they did because mm. that's competitive advantage. Why would you not? If you can get an advantage over somebody, of course, you're going to see what you want to see. And I think in life, that's all of us. And we sometimes learn the hard way. And I think, unfortunately, for me, that was the scenario. Um, we found ourselves with a coach that I previously understood and knew had treated women very negatively, had been very abusive and harassing. I had witnessed it. I had experienced it. I had heard stories about it. Um, you also hear these legendary stories on just assault in general. I know he was arrested for assault before. I know he's broken an athlete's jaw. You hear these intimidative stories mm. and guys like to talk about it because it's cool or it's big and you know, it's, it's flashy, but as a female athlete, it puts you on the back foot on if I get in an argument with somebody who has a fighting background, who's broken an athlete's jaw, who's been arrested for assault, how am I going to fend for myself? What am mm. I going to do? Terrible. And women start to, you're not alone when you have conversations, you're not by yourself. But when he first came to the team, I thought I'm a strong female. It's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let him overpower me. I'm not going to let him put me down. I know who I am. I can stand up for myself. And I also went into it very naively, you know, thinking, well, I don't want to rely on what people have said. I'm going to treat him and let him show me how he is just like I would do to anybody off the street. Uh, within the first week, I very quickly learned that was a very volatile situation. And throughout the entire year when he was a head coach, not only did it break my confidence as an athlete, I started to be humiliated, demoralized in public scenarios. I was getting insulted and screamed at in front of the entire world. And as the current Olympic champion in 2014, going into 2018, trying to defend an Olympic gold for a third time, I have a big target on my back. Everybody washes and pay att pays attention. And I could not say or do anything right. And it was not only humiliating, but I was intimidated and scared for my safety and for my life. What's this going to end? If I'm getting yelled and screamed at, am I going to get punched in the face? Is my jaw going to be broken? I hope people are around to see it when it happens. And just me having to defend who I am, how I think on a constant daily basis, it wore me down. And I got to the point when I was no longer 
not only having fun, but I was fearful for my safety physically and mentally. Um, and I was destroyed. And when I notified the Federation about it, I got told, well, he's the head coach. So you're just going to have to deal with it too bad. And that was a very uneasy feeling for me. That was nobody's here. No one's going to protect me or save me. The people that are supposed to are choosing to back the coach that they hired and rightfully so, because why would you not, you hired this person, you're liable if you hire them and you don't back them Uh and they turn out to be a very bad guy. So of course they're going to back him. So is it a surprise? No. Um, When it comes to investigations, they get to police themselves. These processes are not built to actually protect the athlete. There isn't a third party. You know, the people that got to hire him also get to hire investigators or get to investigate themselves and no one holds them accountable. And that's when I knew I needed to leave and my career with Canada was over was by making the claim. I knew it was that was done. So after all these ugly incidents, verbal and mental abuse, you had had enough. You decided to end that relationship, but now you're faced with a dilemma. How do I continue my bobsled career? You were married at this point to a U.S. citizen living part-time or full-time in California, but it's not just as easy as, okay, I'm going to leave Canada and join the U.S. team. It's not like uh, football or baseball or basketball where you become a free agent and you go pick your spot and live happily ever after. You needed a release from Canada, which Canada bobsled, which was not about to come very easily and willingly. You needed to get here. You needed a passport. There were lots of different things that put 2022 in very much jeopardy. Tell the short version of the story of how you got that release from Canada and how I want to hear about that December day in 2021 when you found out, okay, it's here. We expedited and I can compete in Beijing in 2022. Yeah, I've been living in the U.S. since 2016 full time. So still competing for Canada, but living in the U.S. with my fiance, now husband. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had another option, as most athletes don't. Um, So when I chose to leave Team Canada, I did have to make a choice. Am I retiring off of this? I know my career in Canada is over, but is it going to continue? Am I going to still do sport? What are my options? And I had another option, competing for Team USA. So I reached out. Um, in order within our sport to leave one country and go to another, you have to get a release from your previous country and be accepted by your new. And while U.S. gladly accepted me, welcome me with open arms. Yes, yes. Um, come, Kaylee. Come, Kaylee. Like, sure, we'll we'll support you. <laughs> yes. Um, which we- I know on them was a big risk because I am an older athlete and there was no guarantee through all of this hardship, I was going to be able to get back on top. So it was a risk for USA to accept me at the same point. They were very open and willing and provided a safe environment. And um, I had to start again and learning how to interact as an American with coaches and teammates and everything. So it was a risk on their part, letting me join the team, come into a guest class, but it wasn't that simple. I wasn't just welcomed onto the team. I did have to remake the team. I had to buy my own bobsled. I had to prove my worth. I had to do a combine as a guest. All of what I had done in the sport previously was null and void and didn't matter, which I can respect. And the team was very adamant about it being that way. For me though, the step one was getting a release and a lawsuit, right? Yes. I asked to be released. Canada said no for anti-competitive reasons. You're too competitive. We don't want to race against you. I had to sue them for an absurd astronomical amount to get their attention in order to seek 
my freedom. I was in essence sport hostage for a period of time. And I had to take them to court to be released. Finally, the day before the deadline, um, they did release me. And so then I got to, from then on, compete for the Team USA. Okay, so here you are in Beijing, gold medal, U.S. national anthem is being blared while you're receiving your your medal. Do you still have the the maple leaf tattoo on your leg? I still have the maple leaf tattoo. What was That's it? not you, going anywhere. Can you can you put into words for our audience if there was any kind of internal conflict? Here you are, United States gold medalist, after growing up in Canada and dreaming all your life to be a Canadian gold medalist athlete, and here you are representing the United States with the United States national anthem in the background. What was that like? That must've been surreal. It was definitely surreal. Uh, It was the best feeling. Zero conflict whatsoever internally. I knew what I did by leaving Team Kenna coming to USA was the right thing for me to do. I, in the process, have become a United States citizen, which is more than just sport and Olympic medals. Um, For me, becoming a US citizen means and is so much more. I have chosen to raise my family here, to live here, to become a U.S. citizen. And so for me, singing the Star Spangled Banner, wearing the Stars and Stripes, that there's so much pride I have in the country, the place I live in, the opportunities. I'm living the American dream right now. And so for me, there was zero conflict. I was the most proud to sing every single word (laughs) of that national anthem standing on the podium. And I did so, and I'm not a good singer. That's beautiful. So (laughs) I sang it as loud and as proud as I could, just like when I represented Canada, I think in order to be an Olympic champion, that's part of it. I'm a hundred percent invested in every single thing I do in who I represent and how I represent not only myself, but my country. When I'm on the podium, when I'm representing a country as a dual citizen now, I still have love for Canada and my past. I am still a Canadian citizen, but I'm living in a current American citizen and I will compete for the rest of my days as a proud um, United States citizen because that's where I am and that's who I am. And that's a big part of me now. So no, there was zero conflict. I was the most proud and probably more proud than I've ever been to know I chose this country. This country chose me and I get to represent to the best of my ability and give back to a country that has supported me through these last four years when nobody else wanted to. I just want to reach through Zoom and give you a big hug. Is there a, I know there's a (laughs) hand button. Can I do a hug button on Zoom? All right, two last last things for you before you go. Two last things for you. The mistreatment of Olympic athletes is unfortunately, we hear about it all the time. It's heartbreaking to see these young men and women placed in awful predicaments with kind of their dreams and aspirations being held over their head. What can we do about it? Obviously talk about it. That's what I do. I talk. What can we do to change that landscape and make it a safer place for our young people around the world? The 15 and 16 and 17 year old impressionable people that just want to strive for excellence. I think it starts from the top down. I think the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, the IPC, the International Paralympic Committee, it needs to start with them. They need to create a situation, a team, where if an athlete has a current conflict with a coach, with a therapist, they make a claim that they're supported. Their Olympic dreams aren't held over them by those powers that be. It shouldn't be up to a therapist on whether you make the Olympic team, whether you get therapy or not, whether you can still go to a games if you're the best in your field. 
Um, unfortunately for me and for a lot of other athletes, they find themselves in these scenarios, they make a claim and then they're sidelined for as long as it takes uh, from the powers that be. And we need to take that power away and give it back to the athlete. And what you'll find initially is a lot more initial claims, but it will hold people accountable as athletes. We're held accountable to our performance. We don't perform. You don't make the team. You don't go to the games, but there's no one that's holding these presidents, these high performance directors, there's no one that's holding these therapists accountable for their actions. And they've got a lot of power. If the Olympic and Paralympic committee allow for athletes to make a claim and still have a way to compete at the Olympics, even if a claim is ongoing, then that would, again, hold people a lot more accountable to their actions, but it would empower the athletes to be in safe environments and to do what's right and not be afraid to stand up for themselves and for others. So we'll see you uh, in the gold, getting the gold in, in 26. We'll see you getting gold in 30. We'll see you getting gold in 34. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to my theater. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to go to my theater in 2036 with a popcorn, a big tub of popcorn. And I'm going to go see the Kaylee Humphrey story. I want to know who's playing kick-ass Ooh. Kaylee Humphreys. Which actress is playing? A blonde-haired Angelina Jolie, I feel like, would be fantastic. Uh, she's got the tattoos and the attitude, I think, but um, it better get made pretty quick at the same point. Yeah, I think uh, – I know I'll go to 2026, or that's what I'm going to try for. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see what happens. Where is it? Uh, 2026 is in Italy, okay. Milan slash Cortina, Italy. So I feel like it's a good story. Okay. Started in Italy, 06, end in oh, 2026 nice. in Italy. Nice. A 20-year Olympic career nice. has a good ring to it, a nice fairy tale ending. So that's what we're going to strive for. Okay. Uh, and then we'll see We'll see what happens. I mean, if Park City gets 2030, I'm not going to say no. I feel like <laughs> a home Olympics for Team USA is hard yes. to turn down. Yes. But at the same point, all good things come to an end. And it is a lot of work to be at this level, long periods of time. And I want to be able to, to start a family, have a family with my husband. and move on. And at some point, I hope the women start crushing it. And I find it really hard to compete. Kaylee, you're an inspiration. Standing ovation from Seattle, Washington here. I'm uh, Mitch you. Unfiltered. It is, uh, it's wonderful to see you smiling. It's wonderful to see that gold, put that gold up, put that gold medal yeah. up. It's uh, wonderful to see that gold medal. All the very yes. best to you individually, family, and welcome to the United States. Thanks so very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, it's a new year, and that means a new story for Mitch as it pertains to my quizzes from Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner, Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, how are you? I'm doing well, Mitch. How are you? I'm good, and I'm feeling like 2022 is going to be my year to do better than like 0 for 3 and 1 for 3. What is the theme of the three questions this time around. So the theme today is what has the market been doing so far this okay. year? So right. seeing how close you've been paying attention. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so true or false Oh. through January 21st, the stock market is up on the year. Oh, that's definitely false. You're right. Okay. It's false. It's down about 8% through the first few weeks of the year. It's been a lot more volatility than we've seen recently. A lot of that is due to the rising COVID cases. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, there's some geopolitical risks that are going on, as well as the threat of rising interest rates in the future. Right. So overall, it's been a lot more volatile than, than we've seen recently. A rough start to 2022 for the stock market. Question number two, Katie. The bond market is up on the year. Is that true or false? I'm going to say true because 
when equities go down, bonds typically go up. So I'll say true. Uh, so that was a bit of a trick question oh. for you. It's actually false. The bond market is down about 1% this year. So that is the conventional wisdom when stocks go down, bonds go up, but it's been an environment we're looking at rising interest rates and that's been really impacting the bond market as well. All right, I'm one for two. I really need this one to get off to a good start this year in your eyes. So what's question number three? In a previous quiz, we discussed that the market measured by the S&P 500 has not had a correction since March of 2020. What percent down from peak to trough is officially considered a correction. Is it down 5%, down 10, 15, or 20%? I'm throwing out the extremes 5 and 20. This is what I did when I was back in school and I didn't know answers. So either B or C, I'll go I'll go 15%. Ooh, it's actually 10. You were very close. We haven't seen a correction of 10% since March of 2020. The market's down about 8% right now. Okay. So now is the time for our evergreen clients. We're reaching out. If people have been in cash or wanting to get more aggressive, now with the market approaching that correction territory, it's a time that we're thinking about that for our clients. So I here I am in 2022, starting off right where I left off in 21, one out of three, batting 333. But we still love Evergreen Golf Call. We love Katie Versio. They're a great partner. Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Episode 181, three interviews in the books, Hotshot Scott. This is the other stuff segment. The name Rod Masters didn't immediately resonate with the two in charge of overseeing entertainment and game production for your Seattle Kraken, huh? though they would soon make a connection to Rod Masters. Rod Masters emailed them. He's the guy who played the organ in the movie Slapshot 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, so he may be the most famous organist to ever appear on the big screen in a sports movie. He's the one, he made a lasting impression when he got, I think he gets hit by a puck, right? You get plunked in the head by a wayward. I vaguely remember that movie. And then he asked Newman's character, Reggie Dunlop, to never play Lady of Spain ever again. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Anyway, they hired the guy. He's now working for the Kraken. He's, he is? He's their organist. Oh. How about that? He's their first organist ever. Beautiful. I mean, they're a new team. I love that. I love that the Slapshot guy is Beautiful. playing the organ for the Seattle Kraken. Hotshot Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they talk in Indianapolis. You know what Indianapolis is? Yes, that's where they have that uh, combine. They have thing. that combine. And you know what my, f- well, it's my least favorite or my favorite story from the combine is. Okay. It goes back to a very sensitive time as a Seahawks fan. Do you recall any incredible stories about the combine? <laughs> any incredible? Well, uh, there was a player for the Seahawks by the name of Steve Hutchinson. Yes. Who was a free agent at the end of their Super Bowl run. Oh, I remember, yes. And uh, it was determined, obviously, he's the best guard in the game, that Mike Holmgren and Tim Ruskell mm-hmm. were going to franchise tag him so they didn't let him out of town. Yep. A poison pill later and he was out of town. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> After they made this decision, Mike Holmgren got on a plane. Where was he going? Yeah. To the Combine yeah. in Indianapolis, where he was greeted by by whom? Hotshot. Uh, Peter King. John Clayton. Okay. Can I get an official comment about you guys transitioning, <laughs> transition tagging Steve Hutchinson? Hey, can I, can I get an official comment real quick, brother? Um, John, you got that right. It was, you got that wrong. It's franchise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. No, no. Ruskell announced while you were in the air Gosh. that we're transitioning. You're transitioning. He what? He what? Yeah. 
Mike Holmgren did not know. He was in the air on the way to Indianapolis when Tim Ruskell made a decision oh. that changed, that altered the path of the Seattle Seahawks. Probably, I'm thinking no internet in 2006 on the planes, right? You're just, however long the plane ride is, you're just out of society. John that Clayton broke the news <laughs> yeah. to, to, to Mike Holmgren. That's my favorite combine. He knows a lot, that John anyway, Clayton, about the NFL. Pete Carroll, John Schneider talk in Indianapolis. You know okay. what they said? No. We are not actively shopping Russell Wilson, so stop it. And then Schneider said, but I wouldn't hang up on anybody if they called. <laughs> so that sounds active to me. I don't know. We are not shopping. We are yeah. not looking to trade him. But it's my responsibility, Schneider says, as a GM to listen to anybody who calls. I'm not hanging up on other GMs. Right. I mean, you've been beating that drum for I don't know how long. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, they said, we want every one, every one of our free agents we want back. Every one of them sure. we want back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, they want to come back with the same team that went seven and ten last year. <laughs> Looking forward to that as a Seahawks fan. God willing, Let's we get everyone back. back. <laughs> yeah. Why can't we get every shitty player that we have back? Right. And and what are we going to do? We're going to run it back. Run it back. My Let's, favorite yeah. comment. Run it back We're one run more it time. Back oh, one more sure. time. Can't wait. And then later in the week, we found out that the Washington Commanders, which I can't even say with a straight face. Yeah, it's bizarre. I like the Washington football team a lot better. The Washington Commanders belong in the USFL. Exactly. That's exactly right. Now, of course it's yeah. right. I Commanders. Just said it. Yeah. Everything you say is right. I forgot. They offered first round draft multiple first Ooh. round draft choices for Russell Wilson. Schneider apparently rejected it out of hand without a sweat. He was not interested huh. in the Washington Commanders offer of multiple first round picks. Okay. Well, there you go. Um and then there's this kind of interesting nugget. In the other stuff segment, the Seattle Seahawks are reportedly on the hunt for more weapons for Russell Wilson. That'll make him happy. More weapons. More okay. weapons. So Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported this week that Seattle has been asking around, looking for ways to add wide receivers hmm. to the depth chart. It's unclear if the team is looking to add depth behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett or make a big splash and add a third dominant wide receiver. I can hear Seahawks I'm fans. I'm so glad that they <laughs> that they used a high draft choice on D. Eskridge instead of oh. the center that's an all-pro, but we don't have to talk about that. But they are looking for wide receivers, and apparently there are lots of wide receivers like Amari Cooper mm -hmm. and a lot of wide receivers okay. that might be available through one method or another this coming offseason. How good will those new weapons be if Russell's either on his back or running for his life? I can hear Seahawks fans saying that now. <laughs> Can we maybe help keep the guy upright so he can actually throw the ball? What you mean to say is you can hear Seahawk fans saying that right now. Last year at this time, <laughs> two years ago right. at this time, yeah. three years ago, and every single effing year since John Schneider and Pete Carroll yeah. came to Seattle. Does every team say that about their offensive line? No, not every team, but okay. a, lot of them, a lot of them do. I suppose we weren't saying it with Hutchinson and Walter Jones in 2005, were we? We weren't complaining about our offensive line back no, then. No, not until Tim Ruskell transitioned. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just let Steve Hutchinson walk away. But there you go. There's some there's some Seahawks notes for the other stuff. Uh, North, you want to hear about a North Carolina woman who I, I might propose to? Yeah. She's, who, you, who you propose to? She's fighting the state's Department of Motor Vehicles to keep her personalized license plate that simply reads, Fart. This is where I announced that I'm leaving my wife for Carly Cindy of Asheville, North Carolina. So important for her to have the the, the word fart on her license plate. Oh, she applied God. for it in October and was surprised when they actually it actually went through. And then she said she got a letter in the uh, from in the mail from the DMV saying that complaints have been lodged about the yeah. plate. 
But now she's she founded a group titled Friends of Asheville Recreational Trails <laughs> or Fart for short. She said the group now has a mailing list, a website, and merchandise. So the group recently held its first meeting and 15 people showed up. So she sent the letter off and she's waiting for a response. So important to keep fart. All I can say God, is I love her. your end of show remarks better be incredible if that wasn't good enough to make <laughs> It was close. The hot shot. End of uh, end of show. But I didn't want to do just the headline. The whole story's funny right. about her funding all that. Anyway, hilarious. Uh, a media site called The Hill, citing documents obtained via a Freedom of Information Act request, okay. reported that the Super Bowl 56 halftime show, you remember the hip-hop show sure. that, that everybody loved. That's right. Garnered how many FCC complaints and why? Oh my gosh! I've got the numbers here. A little stump the band, a little trivia. FCC. For you. How many people registered official FCC complaints about the Super Bowl Fifty Six halftime show? And I why? Mean, I wouldn't even know where to start with. I mean, it's the, the most watched show of the year every year. Yeah, two hundred million people, I think. Right. I mean, I, something like and, that. And anyway. God knows what pisses people off to complain yeah. about. Yeah. It could yeah. be anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Come on. A thousand complaints. There were 33 FCC complaints. That's it. Really? Compared to the previous year when J-Lo and Shakira wiggled their oh, tushies. Oh, yeah, shaking that rump. At Super Bowl 54, there were 1,312 complaints a year ago. The Hill claims that a good portion of the complaints lodged to the FCC, the 33 complaints, had to do with the backup dancers who were most prominently featured during a surprise appearance by 50 Cent. Yes. Okay? So you've got 33 FCC complaints this year. You got 1,312 FCC complaints for Shakira and J-Lo last year. Okay? Yep. Maroon 5 in 2019. Oh, no one could have complained about that. Other than their music sucking. 50 complaints all centered around a shirtless Adam Levine. Oh, that's right. He was. He, I was one of those 50. You've never seen a guy. My wife loves Adam Levine. <laughs> he, so I, I, sent, I sent in my protest. And Adam Levine hates shirts. I mean, I any, any chance it. to show off those abs. God love him. I would too. Kind of like me. Yeah, that's right. All right. So now I'm, I'm getting somewhere here. The punchline, okay. which of course is now that you know the 33 last year. Yep. 1312 for J-Lo and Shakira. 50 for Adam Levine in 19, which brings us to 2004. Oh. When a certain Justin Timberlake <laughs> grabbed the uh, the attire of Janet Jackson and exposed a nipple. That's right. How many FCC complaints? Oh, boy. Came in about what they call Nipplegate. Do you Google the FCC number? I wouldn't even know what to call. Like, how do you know who to call? Like, what? You call me and I forwarded it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably. The Adam Levine thing was intolerable as far as I was concerned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I uh... shall not put up with that again. Uh, I'm going to say probably. I mean, double what the what the one with Shakira. What was Shakira? Thirty three? No. No. Shakira. Thirteen hundred. Thirteen twelve. Yeah, I'm. Right. I'm going to say the. I don't know. Ten thousand for Janet. Five hundred and forty thousand <laughs> oh people. Gosh. Woo! Half a million people. More people that than what that watch than that watch half the TV shows that you watch. Yeah, right. On TV, more people complained, registered official FCC complaints about that incident. That really, there you go. That really changed. I mean, did did you guys on your show feel like a little shift in what can be said on the radio? I mean, I feel like 
that moment affected everybody across the board, you, media across the board. I, I we were really pushing. I it. don't recall because I may not have been on the air during my short stint. That's right. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff we said, I just can't believe. Like go, thinking back about it, we really pushed did the. Envelope. Oh, I, I mean, did. it was like. I'm sure you did. And then when that hit, it was like, yeah. mm, I got to tighten the belt a little bit. You know, kind of. I thought that, scale that was, back. I thought that whole thing was staged. No. I, well, it depends on Wasn't who you. Kind, weren't they like the 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 warm up jerseys that the NBA guys wear that they rip away when they come off the bench? I think they drop. If no, I, if I had to guess, they meant to do it. It was like a Velcro piece. Yeah. that Justin was supposed to rip off at the end. Yeah, but then I think he got you know the trouble and all that, and he said it was a wardrobe malfunction. That much wasn't supposed to come off. Only a little bit was supposed. You know, everyone's just trying to cover their ass. Was Janet Jackson somebody who took the brunt of some punishment or no? Was she off the hook? Because I, it was presented as if Justin did it and it wasn't. It was I, her nipple. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's her wardrobe. I mean, you got to kind of know what's going to happen. I yeah, I don't know if she got in trouble, but I think she, she, oh, by the way, there's a documentary, a docuseries on her right now that I'm I can't sure. get to, but that's okay. 500,000. 500,000. Complaining. Yeah. All right. The wife of legendary college basketball coach Jim Beheim. Yeah. You saw that. Julie got yeah. robbed at gunpoint he in Syracuse on yeah. Tuesday. Yes. She was sitting in her car in the Destiny USA parking lot around 2, p- 2 p.m. And it had absolutely nothing to do with the horrendous season that her husband is having as the head coach of the of the Orange. 2 p.m. though. You yeah, think like right you're the safe. It's a problem at that mall. I, I, really? I'm reading up, I've been reading up on it. It's lots of safety issues at the mall. Yeah. Somebody came up to the car. A minor, yeah. And stuck a gun in her face. She was in the car, took her purse, took whatever, then got into another car and, and sped off. Yep. Yeah. She, she was not injured, luckily, during the incident. A okay. search for potential suspects is underway, and Syracuse cops are asking for anyone with additional information to come forward. A lot of Syracuse people saying they got the wrong Bayheim. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Uh, back to, <laughs> I don't know how to go here. Uh, the Pac-12, did you see? Uh, you probably didn't see this, that the terrific quarterback of Arizona State, Jaden Daniels. Okay is leaving, got into the transfer portal, and oh, going to LSU. The transfer portal. Pac-12 doesn't... I don't think Pac-12 needs some of their best players yeah. getting into the... Tran- and going to the SEC. I me- we well, need the other way yeah. around. We need some of these SECs getting in the transfer portal. I guess it happened with Texas, although they not technically yet in the SEC. Will be, right. I guess, maybe some of their... But, yeah, we, we don't need great Pac-12 players going to the SEC. I remember Rick Neuheisel saying even deeper than that, we need to keep the high school kids. Of course. Like, they're all Here. leaving. Yeah. I mean, California has enough great players you can win a national championship yes. for probably just California kids. No question. I remember Neuheisel saying that, and he's right. They're all bailing. Hopefully can't, not can't for compete. long. Yeah, hopefully. The transfer portal is a crazy... That's it's a crazy place. I was in it the other day. It was very, very bad. <laughs> you were? That's great. All right. You're getting transferred to the Joe Rogan podcast? Is that what you're trying to do? Somebody They don't want it? me. The <laughs> ringer, they don't want me. Well, Cindy Crawford, remember her, by the way? She has a stalker who flew of thousands of miles to see her about a phantom child he says they share together. So, so say cops who arrested the guy. He's from the UK. He flew to California. He ended up on Cindy Crawford's doorstep. Now, luckily, uh-huh. she hired security who then called the police and they ended up arresting this guy. But this internet is making it easier and easier for stalkers to find people these days. Scary, scary time if you're someone like Cindy Crawford. The University of Washington men's basketball team, I think we mentioned this in the uh, in the tease because Hotshot wouldn't let me wait until the, uh, the other stuff segment. <laughs> yeah. 
They go into the Pac-12 tournament, the sixth overall seed. Not too shabby. Not horrible. Pretty good second half Hopkins of the year. Hopkins probably saved his job. Well, some people say his job was never at risk. But they did finish sixth. A lot of people had them picked for uh, 18th or 19th in the Pac-12. <laughs> they will face Utah, will the dogs, the 11th seed, on Wednesday night at 830 in the 6-11 matchup, which, of course, the winner will face number three, USC, if they win. on Thursday. If USC wins. No, USC's got to buy. Oh, they do? Okay. Further displaying <laughs> your incredible Pac-12 tournament That's knowledge. Right. Yes. Uh, uh, sign up for a Pac-12 tournament uh, class yes. that Hotshot's doing online on Zoom. A TED Talk is yes. coming up. So 11 versus 6. If they win, they play USC, the nice. three seed, on Thursday. They would be in the half of the bracket of UCLA, the two. Arizona on the other half is the one. Are you going to watch? I mean, do you get excited for I will absolutely you watch. You will, okay. Absolutely watch. Not just that game, but a lot of the games. You will. Oh, yeah. Fun time. I, I, this is my favorite thing. What? You know that. Well, I know. Co College basketball tournament time. Yeah, okay. Madness. Yeah. Ch conference championship week as that one guy who was a week early. Didn't know. He <laughs> That's right. He thought it was my favorite. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yes. Speaking of views and all that, Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't no. know if I'm saying it right, put his body on full display Soccer. on his Instagram page Monday, showering with nothing more than his underpants on. Uh oh. One million people tuned in to watch him take like a 30 second shower. Jesus. And we're over here laboring over guests and jokes. And <laughs> holy shit. One million people watched him take a shower with his underpants on. So I guess that's all it takes these days. Who needs content or funny or any stories or anything? I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you Better you than me. Brit oh, you see I don't Brit know about that. Brittany Griner, you see that yeah, whole story? Yeah, she's been detained in Russia. Been detained in Russia. What does she have? Some sort of oil? What, I, say, I don't know anything about this stuff. Yeah, hashish it, oil. And what is that? It's just it's just really concentrated, compressed uh, THC or uh, marijuana. So yes. it's just, it's really concentrated. She was bringing it out of the country home. Yes. And she's been detained... Yes. I'm no expert, but if I have to fly out of a Russian airport, probably going to wait and get drugs later. I mean, I'm no expert on anything in life. Let me but tell you what I'm going to wait for for later. Are you <laughs> going to Russia and being in their airport? I mean, I are, think I'll pass. Are you are you ever going to risk anything at a Russian airport? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and make a comment and make a promise to you right now. When they lay me in the ground. Yeah. When they lay me in that box. And they put me in the ground. I will have never not only been to Russia, <laughs> I will have never contemplated for a second going to Russia. Really? Yeah, no. I'm not interested. I, I have very little interest of in, uh, places around the world. I will go around the world. I'll take the kids. Yeah, yeah. We were supposed to go during the pandemic. We got that. That, But I'm not going to Russia. I was kind of fascinated. I'm not interested in Russia. But in the 80s, I was fascinated. Like, what's it like? No one really knows. It's no, communist. Not, not, all right. not going. Well, anyway, I hope Brittany Griner gets home. The, the WNBA is helping her And out. while you're talking about the WNBA, let me, I, I see your WNBA story, and I raise you a WNBA story. Oh, good. The New York Liberty hotshot are in very much hot water with the league. Whoa, okay. Do you know the New York Liberty? I'm familiar. The the girl the 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 woman the girl from Oregon that was oh, unbelievable. Ionescu or she's, un yeah. she's on. Okay. She's still good, yeah. Very big trouble for the WNBA's New York Liberty with the league. Okay. Not for tanking. Not for sexual misconduct like the Washington Commanders. Not for tampering with other players. But for flying its team on charter planes for more comfort for the players. God. After someone alerted the WNBA, oh, oh. this is true, 
after somebody alerted the WNBA to the Liberty's violations of the collecting bargaining agreement, you're not allowed to fly charter. Possible remedies floated around in the league office. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Ranged from, quote, losing every draft pick for the next few years. Whoa. Suspending ownership or even, quote, grounds for termination of the franchise. <laughs> for eight inches of leg room. Penalty. <laughs> For eight more inches of labor. For going the extra mile so that these ladies can fly in comfort just like the men do. Right, exactly. They're going to lose the franchise. Lose the franchise. They're going to say, you know what? It's insane. Fly fly that charter plane to San Antonio. But when you get to San Antonio, you have no game to play. And you'll never have another game to play because you're canceled. (laughs) Right. You don't even have a team anymore. Because you flew charter. It's too expensive for all the other teams in the WNBA to do, so you're not allowed to do something that gives you a competitive advantage, and they are good and pissed at the New York Liberty in WNBA circles. Well, the WNBA players have God forbid. They've had it too good for too long. It's time somebody comes after them and puts them in their place. Those same people in the WNBA league office constantly ask the question, what do we have to do to make this product legit? What do we have to do to get the eyeballs and right. and, 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 and and yet they're pissed because a team chartered a plane. Right. All right. These players are going overseas like Brittany Griner to go make money, right? In the off season. Correct. Right. So this is, yeah. Correct. Ugh. For extra comfort. You extra might lose comfort. your friends. For spending a little extra money on his team, these two owners. It's incredible that they even have the money. You they, should be thanking they them. They decided they were, you know what? It's high time that our players travel like the men. <laughs> right. They almost lost the freaking team. Over that, yeah. Take it away from them. <laughs> or eight inches of leg room, I'm yeah. guessing. Antonio Brown might want to reconsider the dark black mask he's been wearing around lately. Yes. yes. He was leaving Craig's in Los Angeles. On- uh, I love Craig's in Los Angeles. Do you do? I do. I've been there many times. Love it. Well, he was leaving it Comfort on Thursday food night. Comfort very best. He decided to drive away in as uh, Antonio Brown oh, yeah. in his fancy he sports car in a mask that could not have been that easy to see through. You can see in the video of his exit after he flipped off the photographers, he struggled to steer the Ferrari and ended up driving it straight into the curb. Now, that Ferrari 488 is about a $330,000 car that he just slammed into the curb because he didn't turn quick enough. Antonio Brown cannot catch a break. Jeez. Or a pass. Yeah. Next time you're in L.A., go, excuse me, go to Craig's Craig's in Hollywood. Really? That good? And just have spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. They've got great spaghetti and meatballs. Is it hard to get a like a reservation? It's a little bit hard if you go like on a Friday night in the season or Saturday night in the okay. season. But you can go on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. Yeah, all the celebs go. And we actually saw Elton John once oh, there. Wow. We've gone a bunch of times. It's not a fancy schmancy place That's at all. Okay. No, no, no. It's like comfort food. It's not the Ivy. Pizza. It's pizza. It's spaghetti. You'll love them. A chicken. They got a great chicken breast. Right up my alley. I'm telling spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. Just go to Craig Craig's in Hollywood and have spaghetti and meatballs. I'm in. All right. I got an RIP and then some headlines unless you have something else. I have one last one, but I don't have to get to it if you don't want. The Trevor Bauer story. We've talked about the Trevor oh, Bauer yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. He's been cleared. Yep. Of all of those uh, incredible accusations, terribly damaging. Probably, he's probably damaged for the rest of his life. The fact that, I mean, everybody will will pin this on him for the rest of his life. Yeah. He is, um, he is suing Deadspin. Do you know Deadspin? I don't know Deadspin. Yeah. I, Deadspin. It was a. It's like a site. Yeah. Like it a was sports a sports site. site. Yeah. I don't know. Deadspin. He's suing him, according to the Los Angeles Times, for knowingly publishing false information. In news about his alleged sexual assault. Oh, he's not playing around. 
Bauer added the Deadspin quote, capitalized on a false accusation that he had fractured the skull of a woman uh, claiming sexual assault against him. In fact, the woman suffered from an acute head injury rather than a skull fa- fracture. But Bauer said Deadspin quote, pushed forward with the false narrative of a full skull fracture. Oh while other news outlets corrected the initial reports after receiving further medical information, Deadspin did later correct its claim that Bauer allegedly cracked a woman's skull, that's what they said, clarifying that a CT scan failed to find an acute fracture on the woman's skull, although Bauer says that the correction was wholly inadequate and not publicized enough, and this is what we were talking about. Yeah. You know, We talked a lot about it, you and I, and a lot of different media outlets talked a lot about the Hain. I mean, this was a... A, a, a juicy story. It's about as ugly as you could but then, ever accuse but, 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 the, but then when the investigation determined that there wasn't enough evidence to continue on and they cleared him, yeah. not nearly as much coverage of that yeah. as the alleged crime. That's how that works. Typically. Which essentially ruins his reputation. So he's, he's now taking the offensive against a lot of outlets, including Deadspin Online. He's going scorched earth. Going in. I mean, if I were accused of what he was accused of and I was completely innocent, yes. if in fact he is and I was, yes. I would feel the same way. I'd want to go after everyone, Everybody. everyone. Everybody. Would, it was so ugly, the stuff he was accused of. The pictures? Uh, picture, right. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't... You can't get them out of your head once you saw the pictures. That's right. I mean, I'd be the same way. I wouldn't just kind of, you know, sneak off and go be alone. I'd want... No, I'm going after you, 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 and you. We're guilty. I'm guilty. Going back to the morning show, going to this show, I'm guilty of jumping on stories when they come out yeah. and not following up with enough strength and emphasis when the story pans out in a different direction. I mean, there, sh- there should be a rule if you're going to go... If you're going to go, you know what? Yeah. When these things come out... The, the 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 titillating information comes out when when somebody is then cleared of any wrongdoing essentially yeah cleared of any I mean you you gotta set the, you gotta you gotta cover that story just as intensely as yep. you did the first time you should give it the same vigor uh, and enthusiasm you, ha- you gave it but when it's you were not it's it. not never interesting enough that's right, right. yeah all right okay that's rest it. in that's peace for me. Johnny Brown you may not know the name but he played housing project superintendent Nathan Bookman on the hit show Good Times. Oh, he passed away. Johnny was a prodigy. Yeah, trying to think of it. Yeah, he yeah, was the yeah, housing yeah, yeah. project superintendent. Nathan Bookman. Yeah, I loved. You probably I love reckon- that show. Yeah, everyone I love did. that show. He was a protege of Sammy Davis Jr. Actually, Sammy scored Johnny a role on a Broadway and on a on Broadway, and from there his career soared. He starred in Carry Me Back to Morningside Heights, directed uh-huh. by Sidney Poitier. Yep. Neil Simon took notice and put him in the Out of Towners. And then Good Times, however, that was his breakout role. He joined the show in 1975 in the middle of season two, 84 years old. Rest in peace to Johnny Brown. Bookman. I remember the character. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the character. They used to make fun of him intensely. Flo used to. Yeah. I just can't remember the picture. I'm I'm, I'm picturing a heavy set guy. Was he a heavy set guy? He was, yeah, bigger bigger guy. guy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So rest in peace to him. All right. I got some quick headlines before we get out of here. A Polish man broke a Guinness World Record by spending three hours and 28 minutes with Speaking his of Polish man. We didn't talk about coach K. Okay. We'll do it next time. All right. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Coach K. Yeah. Last one at Cameron indoor. That's it. They had a big ceremony. Crazy. They got whooped. Yeah. I was going to say the team, right on the, the team was the inspired and stepped up for him. the assistant coaches refused to shake the North Carolina assistants hands, snubbed them in the, in the line after it wasn't there that? some ugliness with North Carolina was chanting something. And uh, is that what it is? That, was it that about was, that? Or is no, that that's not okay. what it was about. That happened. Yeah. 
But yeah, it was not it was not a comfortable scene. But go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. A Polish man. Yeah, he broke a Guinness World Record by spending three hours and 28 minutes with his entire body submerged in ice. After mm. completing the feat, for some reason, the man was adamant that no one be present when changing out of his bathing suit. A man from Honduras. Shrinkage. I got shrinkage. You don't know this. <laughs> I, I know the reference. Shrinkage. Yeah, that's right. I was in the pool. That's right. Imagine three hours on ice. Ain't good. A man from Honduras lost a wallet containing $4,000 cash in New York's Times Square. Oh. And the billfold was returned to him with all of its content intact. Come on, Times Square. First you get rid of the peep shows, drugs, and hookers, and now honest people are there? What happened to you, Times Square? God. A man was arrested after stealing a crossbow. You picture a crossbow. Instead of a bow and arrow, you just oh. have, has like a trigger oh, on yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Yes, That's right. I was going to think, I was thinking bow and arrow. Okay, It's thanks. a high-powered type arrow, yeah. type bow and arrow. A man was arrested after stealing a crossbow by stuffing it down his pants. When security confronted Not him, a good idea. Doesn't sound like it. And when security confronted him, he told them he simply had a cross boner. You could have gone a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, could have gone circumcision. Oh, tons. Yeah. <laughs> you could have gone a long way. A New Hampshire woman's trying to solve a photographic mystery after buying a camera from a thrift store that had a roll of exposed film inside, which Uh-oh. shows people on vacation having a good time, I think. Damn, Pamela and Tommy Lee just cannot catch a break. Good show, by the way. And you finally. you seen that one too? Uh, I've seen what they've put out, yeah. Six episodes, or six or eight. Yeah, it's God. good. Seth Rogen's in it. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay makes an appearance. It's- What's better, that or the, the Playboy one? If I could only watch one, what, 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 do you, what do you want me to watch? I mean, probably the Playboy one, because it's okay. just all this crazy info, and they're, they're like naming names, and it's news after every episode breaks of these stories that we never knew. All right. All right. And finally, a disgusted woman discovers that her husband had been collecting his diarrhea in jars. Oh, that's disgusting stuff. All of a sudden, me being a grumpy asshole around the house from time to time, <laughs> not looking too shabby, is it, Megan? <laughs> Can Epis- we get her to come over and talk to Megan about how much of a jerk I am? <laughs> oh, episode 181, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Levine, put your shirt on. It's in the books. <laughs> <laughs>